Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation, the world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coco Nation Show, episode 303. How y'all doing? Okay. We have this Don't everyone talk at once. We have this strange ball of light that came up over the horizon this morning. Not sure I was just going to say we were silent because Jason Reichert there was just zoning in from the Matrix there from what I saw. So I was waiting for him to materialize. Yeah, I'm, try- <laughs> I'm trying to beam. It's not working. <laughs> so, sorry, Mark. I should have put a hat on. Give you all that brightness. Sorry. Oh, oh okay. wow. Is that where it's coming from? <laughs> when we upsetting my Latin. camera. Yeah, people think I have a light off camera here. That's that's not light. Is that, so. is that a Chinese camera? <laughs> Aren't they all? If we had David's lad, we'd get the shine off his head. <laughs> that's that's right. Well, Terry's doing a very good substitution right now. So. Oh, my. it's so exciting okay well let's see who we got on the panel today uh let's see let's do this right let's push this button push this button there we go now we got the right introduction uh let's see upper left hand corner we have mark overhoser hey oh that one. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't even look camera. into the right camera now. You have more than one camera. You're yeah. supposed to, you're supposed to be watching the, the director that tells you which camera is on. Yeah, look well, for the little red light, little Marco. Light. Yeah, they're green actually and mine, but <laughs> camera one, camera green two. Green is an appropriate cocoa color. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's see. Next over, yours truly. Uh next up we got Rondelvo. Hey, how are you doing? Snap into a Slim Jim. <laughs> All right. Then we got uh, Rick Uland. How are you doing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Everybody it's freaking guy here. All right. Middle row, Ill Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. Okay. And we'll have Grant Leedy with a special report about Cocoa Fest. Hey, everybody. Well, long as he doesn't keep talking about his Kansas City Chiefs, that's okay. Hey, just remember, <laughs> we have a better football team than you do. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have a showing from Brian Weasler. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show, everybody. Okay. And Terry Stiggy. Welcome, everyone. All right. And bottom row, we got Loopy Malibu. And Jason Riker, who might have a camera. My yeah, my I Marco has two cameras. I have like a half a camera right now. But today's edition of the Coco Nation is brought to you by Air in a Can. 
Okay, and sneaking in at the last second, we've got Nick Marentes. Hey, everyone, and uh, apologies in advance. <laughs> okay. Wow, Jason's got problems <laughs> with his camera over there. Yeah, yeah we're going to do yeah, a reboot here sh shortly after. Okay. All righty. That's the introductions. No one else popped in? All right. So uh, first up today, we're going to do uh, project <laughs> updates and acquisitions. So and then first up for that was going to be Brian. Okay. We had him before. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's here every week, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, well, he keeps digging into the back picture. of that truck. It's the Brian Weasler uh, subscription model we have for him on the show here. <laughs> there Subscribe you to see all of his new acquisitions. <laughs> you got to see our ratings, though. <clears throat> Well, thank you. There we are. Okay, Ooh, let me adjust here. Sorry, I think we all have that that glare problem going on today. <laughs> yeah, Terry, turn down your head, please. <laughs> I wish that's the only problem I had with my camera today. <laughs> well, first off, here I'll, uh, I'll I'm going to share a couple books. Let me switch the camera here. There we go. Okay, well, that's the original first color logo on cartridge, isn't it? Uh, yes. So this is the, you guys are probably all seeing this one here. This would be the, uh, the, the color logo. And then, um, uh, in addition to that one, there was a, another book that I have here that I wanted to share. Wasn't sure if, uh, I, I might've shared this before, but I couldn't remember. Um, it's the, uh, color logo guide for parents. Ooh. And, uh, it's kind of, a. it actually has like, uh, uh, like tutorials going through yeah, how to be a parent, right? <laughs> but uh, it actually has like it's actually almost it's laid out almost like a little lesson planner where it actually has like questions and things like that that could be different exercises and stuff that could be done. So I thought that was kind of a kind of a kind of interesting, kind of a, a educational way to learn uh, to learn, uh, learn the color logo. And then, um, in addition to that, um, this one here came all the way from Australia. Oh. And the and the book smells kind so of that's funny. That's where it went. <laughs> <laughs> the, the book perfect. did the book the book did smell kind of funny. So I don't know if this is what Australia smells like, uh, Nick. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> just it smell kidding. like Vegemite. It's probably like kangaroo poop. <laughs> kangaroo ass. <laughs> so there was this one here. There's a learning logo on the TRS-80 color computer. So um, I haven't okay. had a chance to thumb through it at all. But uh, is that a red one? Like, yep, the red one there. So yeah. Yeah, I got that one. So I thought that was... Uh, hey, that maybe was that is mine. Uh, you, you might <laughs> want to explain what exactly is Logo. Is it, is it a, a programming language? or? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a language that uses kind of like coordinates type of thing where you say you're going to draw a line in a certain angle for so many steps, and then, you, and then you would turn. Uh, logo, it's been referred to, and you can see the little turtle symbol here. A lot of times it was, uh, I think other ones called it turtle. Turtle um, graphics is what the, a lot of them call the, the yep. technique anyway. Yeah. And so it's kind of a, a way of drawing a line where you would basically spell out instructions to say, okay, draw a line in this direction at this angle for so many steps and then turn at this angle and then draw another step. Uh, the idea is that even if you make a circle, you're not really drawing a circle. You're drawing a whole series of small straight lines, essentially, to draw a circle. And it's just a way of uh, doing graphics uh, with, a, kind of a, with kind of a language here. So it's vector graphics. Oh. Uh, kind of like that, I guess you could. That might be a way of describing. Yeah, it. it's actually got a programming language with it too, so it's a bit more than just just a graphics language. Oh. It was right. meant for uh, kids, actually. It was meant to be an educational language. Yep. And the Coco had at least what three or four versions of it that I know of, but I think Radio Shack sold them all. 
Yeah, there was a cartridge base, and then there was the uh, the super Disc logo one, and there was super logo um, mm-hmm. one by Larry Kerrigan, and I can't remember the other guy's name, and then another one by Dale Lear. So uh, the, are the authors any relation to Douglas Adams? <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> sure. Forty-two. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see here. What else we got here? Uh, so you can never have too many of these here. These are always kind of handy to have. I picked up uh, another uh, cleaning disc. So no, no, uh, not, not the whole package or whatever. So just uh, those are always. So you don't have handy. the. You don't have the stuff to squirt on it. I mm. just use it. I just use alcohol out of a bottle. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty well all it was. So. That's all it was was just alcohol. So Michelob or. <laughs> you, you, I no, it has to be stronger. It has to be at least like you know vodka level. Never <laughs> clear. Don't do that. <laughs> um, and then this one here was kind of interesting. Here it's a, a four-in-one Infocom sampler. I got that. Oh, I remember those. Hmm. So it was it a has... disc that came with like just a little bit of play on each of the games. Like you couldn't go too far, but it was enough to give you a flavor of it. Right. That's kind of what I picked up from, and it does have the disc in there, and it's just a little. Uh, it was package. free with a coupon. There you go. I mean, the package was already open, so I'll I'll bring it out here. So, um, so it had the Infocom disc here, and then this is essentially just a just an insert. So, but uh, yeah. okay. So it was a demo version of uh, four of their games. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did that one? They did that for various the- computers, not just the Coco. Sorry, go ahead, Ron. Yeah, did that one disc have just for Tandy, and then they have other discs for like IBM and? Um, this one here just says it, it says TRS eighty color computer two on it. It doesn't. Oh, say yeah, I think like, they they gave a different version of the disc depending. I mean, the same packaging, but you got a different disc depending on which one you ordered for which computer. They didn't give you a bundle of a whole bunch of ones. Um, and then next. I picked this one here up. It was called uh, Master Control 2. Oh, that's and the thing that has a little overlay that you put over the old chiclet <clears throat> keyboard and you could get certain keys to, like the MC10, where you could get full keywords. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yep, that's exactly what it is. So what it's for is uh, you would load this program, and here's the here's the template we were just talking about. And then it came with this uh, cassette. Hmm. And you would uh, it talks about the fact that it loads itself into memory. And then what it does, it gives you shortcuts for programming in BASIC. So let's see, maybe I can zoom in a little bit on this here. Is your camera attached to your table? Yeah, because it's shaking like crazy. Oh, yeah. sorry. I'll, I'll try to keep my hand a little off there. So, whoops, let me uh, go here. I love the logo on the book. It's actually a TDP, not a Coco. Yeah, it is a TDP. So you can see some of the language here, or some of the programming statements that were available. Uh, go to and so the idea is that you could program in basic faster by just hitting control and the corresponding key and uh, the booklet basically shows you how to load it into there we go Let was there focus. another program similar to that called color key command uh possibly yeah there was a couple programs i can't remember if that was the name of one of the ones that i remember. I think i had color key command but there were a few key yeah, but it, shows you to, it shows you how to, it gives you the commands to load it into the different, uh, you know, like 16K or 32K machine in the back here. It gives instructions on if you want to convert it from the cassette and how to create a, a disc for it. So, yeah. I think it's just hilarious. We've got this giant program, well, this program, 
to convert key presses into words that can go to the tokenizer to convert the words back into single codes again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also ironic too, because uh, one thing everybody complained about on the original Coco one was a chiclet keyboard. Yet this is what one thing it was really good at was these nice templates because art gallery used it. And this used it in a few other programs too. And then once the good keyboards that everybody liked to type on came out, all these were useless. Yeah, exactly. It was a good feature, but the, particular keyboard mm -hmm. the whole typing thing yeah because with the other keyboards it would be difficult i mean i i was no spacing between that, to put it on i mean that's the problem but i suspect yeah. that you could probably run this on a on a color computer too would you oh, not? yeah no it runs fine it just said you can't you put have the to write everything on the front of the keys with a sharpie there you go <laughs> 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 or you can get led to laser etch them all like his custom keyboards i'd love to see him like position the enter key and whatever keyword i can't see it on the screen right now but right laser burn that little thing in how often do you think people were chewing chiclet gum while they were on their model mm, one? Chiclet <laughs> Cocoa. how many do you think no, no idea but at least that would block him from going in between the keys <clears throat> hey your spot in the middle up. took off yeah I, I bumped it off of there um the next thing i want to show here i actually bought uh it was a color computer one that had this keyboard installed but they also had the original chiclet keyboard with it. And so I received the computer. I'm not, I wasn't going to show the computer. I just wanted to show the keyboard. Um, and it's one that we've all seen before, but uh, it's some of the stuff that came with it that I really uh, uh, that I really like. So I put the original keyboard back into the Color Computer 1, and then I have this because it actually came with, with the box itself, which I, which I really kind of like. So it was, it's an HDL uh, keyboard. And so this would have been the original box that it came in. You can see the owner here uh, talked about. Um, where where was it made? Does it say? Uh, this was it was Illinois a, or something? This one shipped from Rochester, New York. That's oh, right. Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're aware of that, Aaron? I know that, sure. <laughs> so um, this was just something that they printed off, though. But mm -hmm. with it, though, I thought what was kind of nice um, the person had the invoice that they got with it here. Let's see here. Let me zoom in just a little bit. I, I can't see the name of the people that bought it. Yeah, I know. I was going to try to get people. <laughs> not, not a big deal. But you can see here that they paid uh, about $75 for the keyboard. There was Master Control 2. Um, and that was the what I bought. This came from the same uh, from the same seller. They had something called Touch Tone or Touch Touchstone. That's a game by Tom X. Okay. And then they also bought uh, Miss Gobbler. That's a game by Spectral Associates. And then they brought uh, Grand Prix. That would, well, that could be one of two. I would guess it's probably the Intracolor Pole Position clone. Right. So they spent a grand total of one seventy-seven seventy-five, and then a little bit of shipping and and uh, yeah, they got some discounts too. They must have been giving them discounts if you bought everything at once. Yeah, they gave it like a minus three percent discount there. So and a minus twenty above that. So. I bet you they were disappointed once they put the uh, key, the HDL keyboard in to find, <laughs> find that out the template didn't work. work. Doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the template doesn't work. The program still does. Yeah, so, the program then, does, but not. And then here was the uh, some of the original paperwork that was with it. That's what this is. What kind of intrigued me by the whole thing. So, and because it talks about uh, some some function keys and a program that you can uh, that you could enter in to take advantage of the uh, F one. Whoops. F4. Take advantage of the F1, F2, F3, uh, F4 keys. 
By the way, Karen Sixty in the chat there was uh, wondering if that Grand Prix is by Mictron. That's Speed Racer. That's not Grand Prix. Grand Prix was by Intracolor. Or Morocco GP, which also stands for Grand Prix by Computerware, but I think it's probably the 3D one. So you can see here's the keyboard and everything, and it's in really great shape. Oh, that um, is. Wow. Mm. Oops, let me back up just a little bit again here. I think, well, I think you guys probably see it okay. And it had the uh, the Mylar. It also had the uh, 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 the adapter here. So this one here is plugged in. This is a was a pin one, you know, for the... Uh, Old D&E boards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just think. There's still Rochester air in there. <laughs> and then of course you had the uh these uh these push-ons that you'd push onto the stud there to hold the uh the keyboard in place because this would these would fit over the studs that Ooh. the original keyboard would set on top of so the idea was this is that it had you had these spacers that you'd slip over the the plastic stud this would set on top of these spacers and then you'd use these push-on to connectors hold that, to, clips. to hold in place clips. yep yeah yeah clips thank you Mm-hmm. And then to fill in the gap, you had the uh, the template. This or not template, but this uh, spacer that fit over. Uh, look, looks used. Yeah, oh, it is. It, this, this was not this. This was in the computer when I received it, so I took this out of the computer. Okay. And uh, so this is you know this would have sat in there like this to take up around the gap, you know that you would that the original keyboard would set in. So, but uh, I just thought it was nice to have the original box and packaging and everything. I have cool. I have a couple of color computers that already have this keyboard in it. Um, but you know, it'd be really separate. cool is to spray that gray, <laughs> <laughs> like, like the uh, he, he didn't have the number jack at the same time, did he? But uh, the numeric keypad that HTL also sold. No, they they didn't, but that would have been uh, that would have been cool. The seller, if they would have had that, so but uh, yeah, and then of course, having the having the box that it came in and everything, so that's that's what intrigued me by this one, not so much the the, the computer itself, but just having. Having this uh this package, I should have actually brought the computer in because um also in with the computer was the uh, original invoice that the guy had for buying the color computer as well. He bought it from a from a place and they had some uh some work done on it. What date was that? Do you remember? Or no, I, I don't. Um, maybe maybe uh, maybe the next time I'll bring that bring that computer on itself. It's kind of neat <laughs> to see those you know when yeah you know, person has like an invoice or something where they bought these computers from yeah i'm guessing it's early on because if he has the the connector on there and an older d reboard he probably bought it between 80 and 82 i would guess yeah i should well, uh, that that instruction sheet had a date of 84 on it uh the, well the, the purchase date on this here shows um uh april that's probably not coming through here very well but it's april 85. 10th of 85 85 yeah. uh one thing I will say that I thought was that what did interest me though is that this person at the time they bought this they lived in Mason City, Iowa, which is only like a couple hours away from me here. So I thought that was kind of <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> right here in the same spot. Um, two more quick things here to share. Um, it wasn't a it wasn't a Radio Shack product, but it was sold via Radio Shack because it had one of the Radio Shack catalog numbers on it. <laughs> but it's just a uh, it's an AT uh, connector. Yeah. Um, extender, and the reason why I picked this up is because I do have one of the um, uh, uh, Cloud Nine uh, AT keyboard adapters or whatever. Yep. There. yep. That I do want to install, and I thought this might be kind of nice to be able to kind of extend it further a little bit away. So that's kind of why I picked this up. So kind of the fact that it was sold as a, through Radio Shack, but then I uh, just had that extender. So, hey Brian, how many computers do you have set up and working? 
right right now i i don't have any set up because i've had to uh uh because uh, i recently moved and stuff so right now i don't have anything set up uh but i would like to have a space to have several set up at, at one time so and then I'll lastly spices. <laughs> <laughs> uh lastly the thing i wanted to show is uh uh neil blanchard uh started uh started another run of uh, his uh, Sega joystick adapter. And so I, I did pick up one of these and um, he asked if there's anything special about it. So he put on two different colored cables and I also asked for the cables to be longer. So he kind of made a custom one for me. So when you plug them in, does it say Sega? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you got, you got the, the, the blues, the right and the, and then the white goes into the left. So that way you just you keep them straight out here, but no, not a big deal, but uh, it was just an option there. So yeah, I recently got that from Neil. So he's doing another production run of those. If anybody's been wanting to get one for some reason. Also, Brian, as Steve's asked, Steve Rasmussen in the chat is asking that's uh, Buck Owens. Uh, has Brian scanned the assembly manual for the Cocoa 2 kit computer? No, I have not had a chance to do that yet, but I have it setting, setting aside to, to do that. Cause I wanted to also scan the board in. Um, uh, Rick was asking if I could get a good scan of that Rick Ulan, And then I wanted to scan that manual in for the assembly manual. Nope. I've not had a chance to do that, but it's on my list. Okay. I also mentioned that the guy that runs the uh, color computer archive, he just moved too. So he's kind of scrambling to stay caught up with stuff too. So if you do upload it, it doesn't show up for two weeks. Don't, don't worry about it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I bet you have a lot of stuff that's not in the archive. Yeah. I have a list of some other things too, that uh, I kind of have a little marked that I want to get to get scanned. But also as I go through things too, I do want to start doing that, uh, take a quick look at that. And yeah. uh, and see if it's available. Well, as, well, as an example, um, uh, I did not. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find this on the archive. So I do want to get that scanned in and and the uh, the uh, the tape itself uploaded as a WAV file. Yeah, I just uploaded some um, old Aardvark, um games, like some of their first gen ones from eighty one that went mm -hmm. up there just the last couple of weeks. So yeah, very good. Well, that's all I have to show you, you gentlemen, today. Okay. Oh, gosh, it's kind of sad. There's no more. No more. Okay, no. <laughs> I think Terry has well, there's more. more. There's more. There's always more. <laughs> it's not today. Okay, let's see. Uh, who has the bigger collection, Terry or uh, Brian? Yeah. Or Ron? No. Ron. Ron, Ron's got a whole garage. Yeah, but no. <laughs> I think Brian's at the point where he owns a small town at this point, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's who has the bigger problem. My, my location has its own zip code. <laughs> it turns out my Ron's garage is like a one-car garage. You know? <laughs> Everybody to needs to pay attention to uh, Mark Overhorse's speech on uh, Sunday about what to do with your computer collection after you pass. Oh, not this oh, Sunday, okay. Cocoa Fest Sunday. Yeah, Cocoa Fest. Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so basically, <laughs> you're just going to put in the wheel to ship everything to Kansas City, Kansas over here, and I'll be more than happy to take it for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ship it to Brian, so he eventually has every Cocoa thing ever made on Earth. <laughs> Jason, you get over there, buddy. I'm guessing the Zoom update that I just had to do must have screwed everything up. The camera's built into the computer. Yeah, that would do it. Wow. Hey, uh, Terry, you had some things to show too, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, let's see. First thing I got was um, 
I was able to get a uh, floppy disk container still in the box. Oh, that's nice. But that was kind of cool. Yeah. Ooh, Tandy one. Uh, for three days too. How many? How many people have one of those with the plastic underneath the bottom where it broke off, where it, where it clicks on and latches? They right. Yeah, I have one of those that there's five and a quarter. Six. <laughs> and I apologize, this isn't particularly cocoa related, but it is tandy related. Uh, uh, oh, I remember that. A TV adapter. Cool. Oh, a receiver, analog receiver. But I might try to. Put that in my one of my one thousands and play with it. But I you can look at a you can look at a bunch of snow without a special piece of hardware. You build a small transmitter to go with it, but and you'll need a you'll need a set you'll need a converter box to go along with that. And let's see. Um, and I'll be quick here with these. I got the one everybody's usually talking about, so I did that. I was able to get that's William Barden Jr.'s assembly language book for those on the audio. But do you have one signed like I do? No, and I am just. <laughs> <laughs> is he still? Is he still not letting those be put on the website? Yes, correct. Correct. Guide to super software for the Tier Seventy Collector. I do. I have I'm never not seen familiar that, with that one. one. I that hadn't one. either. I. I so will. is that a bunch of reviews of software that you buy, or what is, or is it stuff to type in, or what is it? It's actually explaining different things you can go through, and let's see here, kind of. Yeah, well, it's explaining like Telewriter, how to use it. Um, okay, so it's explaining how to use third-party software, or probably some radio check stuff too. Yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting. I had not seen it before. Never even heard of that one. I'll uh, see about getting that one. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a good way to Let's scan see. these. I, I have not. Back. Let's see the back. Oh, sure. Sorry. You have to rich. You have to tear uh, each page out and lay it flat onto a scanner. Yeah, I don't want to do this. That's the problem, though. Then you wreck it. So it's a guide to color computer software. So, Terry, bring uh, bring it to Cocoa Fest. I'll see about packing a uh, scanner that's designed to do He's not going to Cocoa Fest. Oh. I was trying. Ship it to you or something, (laughs) Mark. That would be a good idea. Yeah, I got Um, the same problem with some color computer news ones that are not on the archive that I don't want to wreck either. This is this is the rest of this is pretty much just going to be an L. Curtis Boyle section, but I got uh, okay, source book, book. That's more for 68k stuff, but uh, okay, it's a blur, yeah, it's a blur because you got got that bright light on it. Today's edition, deflected away from your head, Terry. No, I'm just kidding, (laughs) (laughs) yes, they didn't have an artist do the artwork, it's in glare, no, they didn't. So we'll uh, continue on with that. Uh, That's much better. Oh, wow. I haven't seen those. That's actually OS 96809 manuals, but not from Tandy. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. That is. Does it mention specific platforms like gimmicks and SWTPCs and stuff in there? Or is it just a generic, any old computer thing? I haven't really. Just, gone. just read it out. The show is going to get dramatically. We've got to fill all this time, right? If you can do it for an hour, then you, you've you made my seminar for me. <laughs> uh, maybe I need to send them to you. But uh, <laughs> these were some also I I had never heard of them. Oh, I've got those. That's TEPCO, Lawrence TEPCO. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're not bad. Those. What's the top line say? Assembly language programming. Assembly language programming. The one on the left, the thicker one is the for the Cocoa 1 and 2, and the one on the right, the thinner one is an addendum for the Cocoa 3 specific stuff. 
That is a poor looking flat. And that was actually the first assembly language books that I got that I actually liked. I like it. Honestly, I like those better than Barden's personally. What? Yeah, they're pretty good, those. Yeah. There's a couple of mistakes in it, but I bought anyway. them at uh, Rainbow Fest, actually. All right. That's, that's all I've got to share. I just wanted to, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I was going through that big collection of stuff and those kind of, Stuck I definitely wouldn't mind seeing the 6809 uh, manuals from, from Microware themselves. I've never seen those. I've only seen the Tandy ones for level one. Okay. Or, or level two. Is that, did it say level one or two, or is it for both? Do you know? Uh, probably level one. I'm betting level one. It does not. It just has the date of 80 through 84. I don't know if that helps. Oh, that could be either then. Terry, I find myself staring at that black cocoa back there. <laughs> I think uh, gorgeous. It, when I go, that's going to Ron. Yay! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I hope oh, the hell I live long enough. <laughs> is that awesome. Is that your? Uh, is, is that referred to as your Vader? Your Vader that's cocoa. My Vader yeah. cocoa. Yeah, yeah, that is an excellent, excellent design. <clears throat> oh, so you're the guy who did that? Well, that was actually a broken. Coco 3, the case was all smashed up. So when uh, when I got it, I thought, you know what? I'm going to play with some body filler. And Ed Ed and I talked, and I've got a Gimme X in it. And then I, I've got his 8-mig card in it. So And his laser. He made me the special uh, black keyboard and the red um, letters on it. Whatever it is. So yeah. Nope. What color are the letters on the keys? Right Fine. now they're they're just the etching. I never did color them. I, uh, I oh. my hand wasn't steady enough to color them. <laughs> <laughs> See that's that's black the squiggle key. <laughs> right, yeah. That's Why the other squiggle key. <laughs> <laughs> that is the greatest show and tell ever. <laughs> Does anybody else have anything to show? I actually got a couple of things that aren't new acquisitions, but rediscovered acquisitions. I can quickly show. Yeah, up. go ahead and go, Curtis, and I'll give a uh, Coco Fest update after you're done. I was going to ask Rick Eulen, did you have any updates to do today? Or? Well, I just had a question for the room. So we've had yeah. the whole, do I poke a hole in the warranty sticker or not? Who has the most abused Coco? Um, wow. This one has four stickers, so it's been penetrated <laughs> five times. <laughs> now is that due to wow. upgrades or repairs? So this is my question. Well, there's there's a, there's like three repair stickers, the original sticker, and then someone's been into it after that. So well, how do you know? Well, there's <laughs> you had oh, stickers. You had to I lift need... them up and look at each one. One, one, two, three, and a fourth one. The original one showing. You can't really see it all in the picture, but there there are four stickers or sticker parts here. Like different layers. Different layers. I just stuck another, poked it, and stuck another sticker on top every time they fixed it. The bottom layer is the Pleistocene era when the dinosaurs. No, I'm just kidding. Right, right. When the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Now <laughs> it's time for warranty seal archaeology. If that exactly. Was so who has the most penetrated cocoa? This one's got four. So. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Say. Do you, do you think? The, Don't uh, use that terminology. <laughs> do you think the power cord's ever been cut off of it? No, no. It's a. It's there's a. No, those are actually Radio Shack repair centers, so those are all legit. That's not, you know. Right. Kind of, this yeah. all came from Radio Shack. And then, yeah, here's the original styrofoam stuck on the power cord. If that was a yeah. horse, that a, it would be put out. Is that a gray case, Coco? Or? Yep. 
You can tell from the the uh, serial number sticker on the bottom too, because it says Tier City uh, Color Computer, not two. This this was the right. one I had that has no keyboard. It runs, but it had no keyboard. Now I've got the parts to make a keyboard for it. So it will be yeah, I was going to recommend a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so irritating because I've had this thing with no keyboard all this time. Couldn't make a keyboard for it. Well, now I finally can. All the parts to do it. So. On the uh, on the inside of the top cover, um, does it happen to have like? Uh, and permanent marker like uh, dates and a person's initials. A lot of times, some of the repair guys would uh, put like dates and stuff like that on the inside when repairs were done. Those yeah, a couple good. of mine have that. Or was that the factory doing that on the moldings? I'm not sure. I just I just know I have a couple a uh, couple cocos that were repaired and there was like initials with a date. I figured that was probably from the service center or something that uh, the person was just denoting when the work hey, was Rick, done. Hey Rick, know, is we, that a twenty six three thousand four? No, 3002. Oh, 3002. So oh, okay. Bye. At the repair center I worked at, we used to sign the uh, that line there on the bottom of the uh, uh, warranty tag. Really? We used to sign it with the dates and uh, uh, the sh- our shop number and stuff like that. Well, one of the things I've got that I, I just love, it's a super customized Coco 2, I believe it is, from Marty. Um, Goodman? Goodman. He wrote all over the inside of that thing explaining what <laughs> it's pretty cool actually to have. <laughs> when Tim Linder and I went to his place in San Francisco quite a few years back before he started shipping out all of his old machines that he'd done all these hacks to, we got to see some of that stuff. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I might have actually seen the cocoa you have. I'm going to tell you something. That just made my day, courtesy, and you blow water all over the place. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just made my day. <laughs> That's Harry, a show a, highlight right there. Right. Do, you have a couple, do you have a couple of pictures of it? Um, somewhere I've I've actually got it packed away. I I don't have it operating at the moment, but I I'll pull it out and he uh he actually made a wood case keyboard that's extended so that the cocoa could be like under a desk and then yeah. just the extended. You have a keyboard in your lap. Keyboard. Yeah. So that'd be yeah, great I'll, to see. I'll I'll bring that. I'll do that as a yeah. Special in there. That'd yeah. be cool. You know, you he's he's that, a fascinating guy to talk to, too. So you need to put that behind you instead of the Sega. You know, I, I agree. <laughs> I think all this is going to go. It's time. So, oh, I did get one other acquisition. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Better highlight it. Oh, radio. Oh, yeah. oh, right. yep. oh, wow. The ra- it's, cool. a, it's an actual AM radio. <laughs> <laughs> is the antenna on or broke off? Uh, I don't think it has one. Oh, that one has the internal. AM. AM has a coil. Oh, okay. Bar with the coil on it. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Anyway, you, you <laughs> Sorry, what, I forgot to mention that. You know what's really cool <laughs> if you think of it? Uh, radio stations are still around. I mean, you can turn that on and listen to it. Right? Yeah. It still works. Yep. Oh. What are you holding oh, up there, Rick? No clues oh, here. Oh. So uh, nothing written on the inside of the case? It's also black plastic. Yeah, right. it's okay. It's look through your yep. cocoa it's lid day here on the cocoa. The, the older cocoa ones were all black plastic. Mine wore off where my wrists yep. were right down. Actually, it looks nice when it's the natural black. No, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how the egg vision and the video text is. It's the black yeah. plastic. Oh. Yeah, and it was two thirty nine ninety five. So it, yeah, I think it was wow. the F board cocos when they switched to the white, wasn't it? Yeah. Roughly for the, the very last ones. 
is pretty cheap, though, isn't it? Yeah. So now you got me looking in the inside of mine here. Hang on. (laughs) Jason was holding up a case, too. He might as well do the uh, exploration. Through your cocoa case day here on Cocoa Nation. (laughs) This stuff is is what makes the Cocoa Nation cool. Jason, okay, Jason, Jason, Jason. If you want to highlight Jason, what is yep. Jason showing? Is that a Coco Three or two? Uh, it is a Coco Three. I, you know, my Coco Three doesn't have any screws in it, so I was able to pick that up easily for whatever little comedic value there is in this. No, there's no, nothing written on the inside. <laughs> there's no, no, nothing written. On, well, there's there's things on the other side, but um, <laughs> oh, I hope so. Everybody's pulling their their cocos. Everybody, everybody, I just want to show you the Canadian one because we have that mesh you guys don't have. Supposedly, uh, yeah. is there a little maple leaf on the Canadian one? No, oh, you're shielding mesh. But the mesh smells like maple syrup, so that's probably close enough. Ooh. Well, wasn't that mesh right, uh, kind on. of a and What's of course all the glue holding it on that people sometimes think is like you know leaking resistors or whatever. But wasn't no, that mesh that. a uh, the that. mesh was a look safety feature? Wasn't it the idea that something metal couldn't fall down in, inside there? Wasn't that a yeah a like coins? Yeah, <clears throat> is the mesh made of metal? Nope, feels no, like plastic. Well, plastic. No, it's just okay. plastic. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That would be but funny. I mean, if other it was than a metal that, I think mesh. this is basically the same as a standard one. I, you guys have this blocked out piece here too. I believe. Yes, 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 we yeah. do. Yeah, thermal yeah. thing. Okay, this is a cocoa chugo one that I use for my uh, cocoa pie. Oh, Manhattan. you know, I, I I smell a new Facebook group. Show us your cocoa <laughs> lid on Facebook. Ron, better get on that one. Yeah, Naked oh, cocoa. Let's all oh man, topless cocoa cocos. Pie. Oh, you got the TDP there, uh, Terry. <laughs> yeah, yeah Co- Coco's gone wild. So Coco's gone wild. <laughs> Getting into the kinky stuff now. Oh, okay. So everybody's got screws on their table. Yeah, so, 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 yeah. I don't even know where the screws from mine are, so no. They're supposed to be taped under the keyboard to the case. Yeah, yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. I what what do you need screws for? That just get, takes extra time to get into it every time. So next Everybody's got a screw loose. <laughs> I have several loose. So, so this one's an F board, but the plastic is gray. Mm-hmm. And it does have the production date in the back of it. Can you can you zoom it up, Mark, so that they can see it? Now, is that a production? I can zoom date everybody or? else out by myself. So, Mark, right, is that like yourself? Is that a production date or a, or a service date? I think it's a production date. Okay. It's all blurred. I can't I, see it. Went away. Focus. Come on. Focus. There we go. 82. Um, uh, 2 or 3? Is that 82 or 83? Looks like 12-3. Okay, that's different because I, and I remember the ones with the white plastic. And the flippy thing is on the bottom. Not the right, it's, on, it's, on, it's not on the door, it's on the bottom. So yeah. that's the uh, F board. And of course, <laughs> the uh, bezel is gray. Yeah, so yeah that's what they I remember. Logo. So, they so if paint. you wear that down, is it white underneath? Like, did they paint the inside or is that actually gray plastic? Oh, it's gray plastic. Yeah, it's gray plastic all the way through. Okay, that's Ooh. different because the F board I have is white. I can't get to it right now. but and I, think I have they, a Coco one that's black under the paint. So it's gray, gray plastic, and then they get the Mercedes silver paint on top of that. So on the little chips, like I see in the corner here, little chips, there's gray, you know, the gray paint is underneath it, paint, but the gray plastic's underneath it. So let me unhighlight myself now. 
<laughs> yeah, because the old the older Coca cases also had the uh, the labeling on the back for like your left right joystick and stuff. It's just a stencil, a black stencil put on, and the uh, later yeah, ones actually have it embossed. Yeah, this one's plastic. molded. So that's on the F board. And of course the D board is like you described. It's a uh, black plastic yeah. with uh, the uh, printed. And I'm not sure what Sloopy's trying to show you. He's got like a backlight. So it just looks like a blurry He's blue and purple mess. through his yep. transistor. All right. Come, come back and flip the. He's done something wrong. Did you do that Sloopy or did you find it that way? And since we're talking about case covers, I was able to get screws that match in case you lose them, at uh, Ace Hardware, and they're gold. Oh, what he's trying to say is the area over the transformer is... Yeah, it's uh, being cut out. Somebody cut it out. Well, cut that, is it that, out. Is that, from the, your, your, yeah. is that from the original Coco 2? Actually, Coco this is the um, $10 Coco 3 that I got at... Uh, oh. Best. So somebody oh. cut it out, didn't mm. they? Well, no, because the, there's extra webbing in the plastic around the transformer and around the slots. No, That's mine's extra. like that. They, they, they just, yeah, out. mine's like that. Yeah, because the Coco Three is uh, is got is closed up, closed over. Yeah, so I guess you could tool. cut that out pretty easily. Yeah, if you look, you can see where the where yeah the, they cut it straight to not straight. Yeah. <laughs> But and no. really, that's yeah. that's the place that. you do want the vents because yeah, that's where right the over the power supply thing, isn't well, it? No, they they, they, and they cover that it up. in purpose to pump the air more. It's supposed to roll out from under the covered transformer. Yeah, and that gives it a more straight path. <laughs> and yeah. promote it's like a Dyson fan. You want to get convection coming out from under the hot spot over the cool spot and pulling more air from around the motherboard <laughs> through the vents. And this is only totally get yeah. straight up. And or Tandy could have just installed a fan, but hey. Oh yeah, you could have put a fan. <laughs> Fans cost okay. money. Flashlight yes. side again. So. <laughs> and okay. Is, so we anybody else before I do my quick little bit? Loopy, you're giving me a headache. <laughs> I just think I just think it's kind of funny. I I merely asked. Uh, uh, Rick, if the it had lettering on the bottom, and we went into a ten minute tangent about covering. <laughs> Welcome to the Coco Nation. That's yeah, how we operate. You normally. know us. Look, squirrel. squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody else, I can quickly show the couple things I happen to have on my desk that I can mention. They're not new acquisitions, but rediscovered. Um, so basically, I've been doing some work for Chronologically Gaming, kind of you know getting the history of some of the original releases of Coco Games in 1980, 1981. And I've got a whole collection of old cassettes there. Most of them are from later uh, time periods. But I found some old Aardvark ones that I uh, are still back there. But uh, I discovered a couple others I didn't even know I had. So I just wanted to quickly show those. So one's Adventure International Hulk. That's the Incredible Hulk. And that's actually with the original uh, Adventure International logo and stuff here. But this is actually just a taped over thing that says Hulk on it. And it is the original thing. So I'm not quite sure why they did that. I would have assumed they would have just made a label for Hulk, period. But. Uh, yeah, even... There could be another name under there, right? Yeah, I don't really want to take it off to find out, but uh, I'd be surprised if they repurpose tapes like that because I've I've seen some other ones where it's actually just one label and has the title because they don't mention a specific machine on the label. It just is a generic AI, so you could reuse the labels for whatever computer you're selling it for. Yeah, I generic... imagine underneath that's Bruce Banner. <laughs> yeah, there's no yeah. green label as far as I can tell, but uh, don't make it angry, Curtis. Yeah. Don't make it angry. You might put that in the lead, it could have some gamma radiation coming out of it, so you better be safe. 
soothing. Um, <laughs> next one I got here is actually called multi-screen. Now, this one is on the archive, as is the Hulk, of course. <clears throat> but they actually have a list of the programs that are actually on the side there. Um, and it's actually by Incentive Software in Canada, in Ontario, which I didn't realize that's where it was from. I've seen the ads, but I kind of nip- didn't think it was Canadian. And they actually did a fairly professional label for that, too. And, of course, you got copies on both sides. So that's a high-res screen utility for doing text on a P-Mode 4 screen type thing. But they've got, like, built-in printer dumps and sample programs of how to use all the different character string codes and stuff they got. So just happened to find those uh, while I was going. I'm going to be checking against the archive to see if it's the same version, because I did find the archive had some older or newer ones, some of the ones I have, so I'm trying to send alternate versions up for that, too. I mean, that's a couple I had just lying around here. The rest were all artwork. I, it was a Mars Adventure. Voodoo Castle, I think, was another one. That the games themselves weren't even on the archive yet. So that's a couple missing pieces found again. And I'm going to have to go through my discs yet, because I know I've got some in there, too. They're also missing on the archive. What's the box in front of your monitor? This? Yeah. Look That's just like stuff. checks for work. I just got the oh. shipment of business okay. ah, Darn. <laughs> I thought that's where he threw the soldering iron after he lit his hair on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. That's all I have. All right. Uh, let's see. Grant, what's all going right. on with Coco Fest? Well, Coco Fest is coming up and coming up very, very quickly as uh, Mark Six the, weeks now. Yeah, very quickly. So uh, just let everybody know that uh, uh, we are still selling the T-shirts at the uh, at glensideccc.myspreadshop.com. Um, I don't know, Mark uh, Overholzer, if you put that link in there, it'd be great. Um, we will not be having T-shirts at the fest. Uh, we decided to go this route because it's less of a risk for the club. And with the new venue and everything, we didn't want to you know, spend additional money uh, on uh, t-shirts to have at the show. So if you're wanting to get t-shirts, make sure you order it through that website. And just to let everybody know, right now, uh, everything is 20% off. So Curtis, this might be the time for you to bite the bullet and buy about the 20% off caught my attention. Yeah. What's so, the URL again? Uh, it or, is. I'm looking I haven't seen here. him posted it. Oh, there we go. Okay. No, that's that's the general Coco Fest one. I'm looking for the Red shirt one in here. Uh, GlensideCCC.myspreadshop.com. And the and the turnaround when you order is pretty quick too. So you have plenty of time to get a shirt before before the fest. Yeah, not, I, I got mine about about ten days after I. Not, after not in my case. Mm. Probably won't be mine, mine too. Being in Canada, I'll probably get it after the fest. Just have just have it delivered to the hotel and just tell them to hold it for you until for a month. Yeah, you do that too. <laughs> so they have more than just T-shirts. They also have, you know, uh, sweatshirts, stickers, Hoodies. coffee cups, a whole bunch of stuff in there. So if you're not big into T-shirts, you can definitely find something else that might be uh, of interest there to you. Uh, second thing is we only have four tables left. So if you are on the fence and thinking about getting a table, you might want to do so now because there's only four tables left, and after that, uh, we will be sold out. So. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to share to you guys is I we do have the schedule. Uh, I, Eric will be putting it up onto the website here shortly. Um, the main thing is uh, I, I, we will need help on Friday afternoon uh, before 5 o'clock. So if anybody's going to be there early, let me know. Um, 
Yep, Mark B. <laughs> we'll need to go. You'll get to go to the VCF Midwest uh, warehouse if you get there early uh, and help us out too. So <laughs> it might be a good way, Curtis. Oh, yeah, uh, hauling all the uh, power strips over. Exactly. So, uh, so, um, and then uh, vendors can start setting up five o'clock, and then uh, we'll close the doors around eleven, eleven thirty on Friday night. So we do have six presentations. Uh, so um, does the hotel not have a, a grid power grid? What do you mean a power grid? Like a outlets. big pile of outlets. outlets. Uh, yeah. In the like, walls. Well, like, like some it of was, the, yeah, some like of the venues life. have like a big power tap you bring out the middle of the room and then spider off of that. Yeah. I've, I don't think this one did. And the other okay. one didn't have that either. So. No. so so we'll be doing the same thing like we did last year. And I, I, got did, I think the other ones did. They just didn't bring it out for us. Yeah, we should oh. have had it. In fact, a lot of us had the equipment burned up because they didn't bring that thing out in the voltage sags. So we saw, oh, really? I saw some of the uh, evidence that they had that they were equipped for. They just didn't bring it out for us. Yeah, in the November when they brought it out, it was like a breaker. looked like yeah. a house breaker box with a extension cord to go into a 220 and yeah break out into big stuff but anyway so i'll i have that to listen and see if they have it but uh well, no, they, they, so we might have to might have to purchase one or, or rent one so well, if they that's might the not case. need it i think this was just the weirdity of the, the last location yeah they didn't yeah, have yeah. a lot of power in the walls and so you had to use this thing yeah well it wouldn't be something to rent it would be it would be custom made for their their venue. Oh, okay. But they I'll, could they might charge for it. So yeah, I'll ask them and see. Yeah, just so. tell them we're drawing juice. So. Oh yeah, they know. They know. We <laughs> and, and this and this hotel I think is newer than that other hotel as well too. So because they have a lot more um, outlets in that room, so which is good. Okay. So anyway. uh, anyways, just uh, make sure if you also want to purchase the um, dinner. Uh, you have until the 14th or 15th of April. Uh, so, and then also, if you were wanting to get the discounted room, the last day to book your room will be on March 31st. Uh, we've already had to extend the uh, block twice already, and we might be doing it a third time as the rooms are, are our block is keeps on selling out, which is a good thing. So, mm -hmm. all right. Other than that, that is it. So, how much confirmed attendance have you got so far? Uh, so confirmed attendance. Let me pull that up here real quick. So we have, um, well, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because a lot of people won't, they're not doing the actual um, uh, vendors. They don't really register until like the day of or the day before. But uh, 35, we got 35 dinners sold so far. Um, and then uh, 57 people confirmed so far. So which is about where we were last year. So, because again, a lot what of people don't, don't register until like right before. And, and that's the other thing too, the, the hotel told me too, that people, since the uh, inflation and everything, they're waiting till the last minute to book everything, it seems like. So. What was the official attendance for last year's show? That I do not know. I don't have that I information. It was I think it was like 120 for I remember. I was going to say, yeah. I think it's over 115-ish, I thought. Okay. So no, I wanted to mention Grant because we talked about this in private a little bit of a while ago that uh, my name wasn't showing up on the guest list yet. I've given permission; it's still not showing up on the guest list. Yep, and I've been, I've reached out to him. And again, the, the thing is, there's a lot of bugs during that system when we first put it out. So I don't know if there's a way they can add it in there or not. So I've reached out to Randy and asked him. Okay, so there's probably about another 
15 to 20 people that aren't showing up in that list either. Because when they paid for it, they took PayPal took their money, but it didn't kick them back over and uh, reserve the uh, their tables or their dinner. So we had to go back and mainly do that. So I'll shoot Randy another message and see if he can get you added in there. Okay. All right. Not any other questions? But just wanted to see what's going on. Well, Curtis, it'd be a better show if you didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm buying a T-shirt now? <laughs> <laughs> He's lost a sale, buddy. <laughs> you so owe me no, a T-shirt every, for that comment. <laughs> so I'll I'll try to be on uh, every week now until the fest, which is what, the next six weeks. So uh, always with give, the threats. Oh yeah. Oh great. <laughs> to give everybody updates and so forth like that. But as of right now, I think the, I think the fest is going to be well, um, you know, we're, we won't be having unlimited coffee, Curtis. We're trying to, what? uh, oh, I'm not sorry. going at all now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> going to have to walk across the street to the, uh, to the, um, uh, uh, gas station and get some gas station coffee. So I'll just get an IV drip and wander around like Bill Murray and wear the Buffalo room. That's what <laughs> just, to, just because with inflation also with the higher cost of the, um, of the hotel and the venue, um, Jim and I kind of talked and we don't really want to waste a bunch of money until we know how this venue is going to work and how everything plays out. Cause we don't want to be, you know, three or $4,000 in the hole. Cause that would be a bad thing, which I don't think we're going to be anywhere close to that. So, but you know, I assume we, you still have like water pitchers and stuff though, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think okay. we're probably going to have at least, you know, one giant deal of coffee each morning or at least that. So it's just that they charge $38 for for the coffee, it's it's crazy, you know. You could buy a bunch of coffee for that. Maybe so, I'll just bring a bag of chocolate covered coffee gallon. beans with me. I'm sorry, what did you say? Gallon per gallon. Yeah, thirty eight dollars a gallon. Yeah, you're per right. Gallon. Yeah. What What are the rest you going to drink after that thirty eight bucks? So that's just me. That's pretty much just you. You're the one who drinks it nonstop. <laughs> but like I said, there's like two gas stations right there. So that's only like two we, cups of coffee at Starbucks. Thirty eight so, bucks. So we did yeah. fifteen gallons last year, right? Yeah, it, yeah, and Jim and I about had a heart attack when we saw that bill over a thousand dollars. It was crazy. So it wasn't just me though. So, so no, there's also the hot cocoa and uh, and um, what else do we have? Tea. I think we had tea there yeah. as well. So maybe we need to go to Dunkin' Donuts and uh, refill the pot. Get some of them boxes of coffee and just yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so there's the problem, you know, since we're at a venue, they won't let us do that. So because they want us to buy their coffee, you know, so. So we need well, to make a cocoa that's hooked to a Keurig and can operate it. Then it's part of the demonstration. <laughs> yep. A little yes. robot arm from Radio Shack. You'll yeah. load it up. Armatron, yeah. <laughs> you sneak it in the back door and then hold the boxes back out. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yep, Curtis. Exactly. Curtis, I, yep. told, I told Missy that uh, there would be no coffee there, so she won't be going. Yeah, oh. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> So that means that I have an open bed in my room. So if anyone needs a place, but yeah, she's well, like, like I said, there's, there's there's gas stations just right there on the same block, so it's not that far. It's just hard to believe that it costs as much Canadian for a T-shirt as it does for a coffee. <laughs> oh, really? Jeez. And then, and then Daddy Burrito here is asking, when did coffee start costing more than gas? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and just to let you know, that's 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 pretty much standard at all hotels. They always want you to pay their inflated prices for food. I mean, if you ever get room service at a hotel, you, you, it's ridiculous. Plus, they have the service charge and all the other craziness on top of that, too. So it's $38 a gallon plus 20% on top of that, plus the sales tax on top of that. So you're well over 40 bucks by the time they're all said and done. So any other questions or concerns or anything like that? What, what 
are you are you guys making any sort of like paper copies of the the seminar guide and stuff like that this year, or is this more for the website where you're getting you know? What yeah, are you, yeah. In fact, uh, everybody will get their little uh, envelopes with the uh, they'll have the uh, schedule in there and there's some other information as well that you'll get a little eight eight and a half by eleven envelope with all that stuff in there with your badge and so forth. Okay. And we're, still sure when, to, and we're still planning to do also one drawing as well, too. So for the uh, for $50 to use for, at a vendor. So we'll be doing that again this year. We should also mention, because we've, we've been hyping it up on uh, you know a few shows about uh, the going over to the VCF warehouse to show off some of the stuff here. But it sounds like that might be limited. We're going to wait until Randy gets. Or yeah, as soon as, Jason, as soon as or Jason. Jason, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'll, and I'll, I'll touch base with Jason because he's also doing the uh, auction again this year. So he was, he sounded kind of like there might be a way we could do it in April, but he didn't want to make any promises until he knows for sure. So, yeah. So we might I know some people are definitely looking forward to it. And there's some other people that are actually going to be busy probably the whole weekend elsewhere. With other yeah. If you can maybe get me a list of uh, people that really want to go and then I can let Jason know that we can, we can probably get some people. Now keep in mind that the VCF Midwest uh, warehouse is not close to this new location. It's about a 25 minute drive. So. That you know, consider we drive 22 hours to get to the thing. That's nothing. <laughs> that's true. That's just, this is down the street. Now, are you driving with Ken again this year? That's the plan. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're sorry. Yeah, I'm going to be, he's going to be so brainwashed about Nitrous 9, you won't even recognize him. Uh, he'll probably be wanting to kill himself by that time. <laughs> right, now, right now, he's still AWOL. Where do yeah, you he's where is Vegas? He's in Vegas? Yes. Yeah, with his sister and, and uh, niece. Should we take a Ooh. break? Yes. No. Yes. Yes. I told break. I told him don't get married because then he won't have any cocoa stuff left. <laughs> so, so I think we'll have a good fest. I think it'll be a good time. So, and, and that's the other thing too. We are doing two auctions. It looks like this year too. We'll have one on Saturday and also one on Sunday. Um, so we have quite a few of auction. So again, if you have anything that you want to donate, <clears throat> Terry, Brian, <laughs> Ron. Uh, Anything extra, you know, you can yeah. put and in the auction. Anything you guys have more than 10 of the same thing, you can probably just, you know, give us a little bit of the leftovers. Today. Yeah, exactly. So can but, we uh, auction off grants? Everything. <laughs> yeah, but who's going who's gonna to buy that, Terry? I mean, come on. <laughs> I buy that for a dollar. Oh, would, great. <laughs> we'd have to pay somebody. Yeah, you'd have to pay me to. <laughs> so anyway. So, anyways, for... uh, Eric should be putting the schedule out later today. So I'll be looking for that on the, uh, Glenn Sides website. So, all right, that's all I had. Mark, you cut your commercial. <laughs> okay, we'll take a roundelville break. Back to the studio. The Coco Nation show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gayer, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Kieran Inscombe, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Dinty's Hideaway, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, 
Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stiege, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., William Athing. Thank you so much, patrons. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord? Ziz says, got my first Coco, TDP 100, in 1982. Well, Dad bought it, I think for Christmas. Pushed that as far as I could, by then the Coco 3 was out, so I upgraded. Then picked up a lot of Coco stuff on clearance as I worked for RS from 89 to 96. Real name is John, but go by Ziz everywhere online. Spenny108 says, Hello everyone, happy to be here. Just resurrected a poorly Dragon 32, it's a computer I never owned as a small boy, but I knew someone with one and played the odd game here and there. Very much looking forward to delving into the gaming archives and having some fun. I also obtained a Coco 3 not too long ago, not had the time to get fully acquainted with that yet. My name is Spencer. Gorg says, Hi folks, I just received my Coco 2 computer today, thanks to the Invisible Man. I'm happy to join the community. I'm a coder active mostly on Atari 8-bit, and hopefully also on Coco 2. My name is Kamil. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Boys in Tech, Cruise Mungers, Glenside Computer Club, Nightbeard, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com. Because cocoing is better together. Hello, everyone. It's your good buddy, Amigo Aaron, and the Brent from ARG Presents. You are watching. Coco. You're, you're an idiot. I, I was wanting to say Coco Live, and I know. Hey everyone, it's your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo Aaron, <laughs> along with that dastardly The Brent from yeah. ARG. Didn't let me finish. You are watching <laughs> Coco Nation. It's a beauty, eh? Mm. <laughs> <The> last... <laughs> Listen, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. <laughs> Hello everyone, it's your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo Aaron. Joined by that dastardly The Brent from ARG Presents. You're watching Coco Nation. I feel like that should have been longer. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Only seven takes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, they're getting better than we do. All right. Ready for the uh, high score challenge? Sloopy. Where did Sloopy go? I, think I don't he, know what that deafening silence means. He's yeah. hanging on. I guess that means no, they're not. <laughs> uh, there so he is. He I just popped to. into existence. If I have to, I guess so. All right. Here's your intro. Okay, Sloopy, take it away.
All right, let's see here. Uh, I guess I should probably share a screen or something. <laughs> here it is. Sharing is caring. There, screen two. So you see this nice, cool little screen here? Yep. Yep. All right. <clears throat> These past two weeks, the uh, we played... Oh, at Zoom just quit unexpectedly. We still hear you. Yeah, we, we still, still hear still you. See you. Um, yeah, I've got a window right in the middle of the. <laughs> oh, yeah, it looks <laughs> like the, your share uh, froze up. Is what yeah. happened? Time to get a new computer. Oh, it's that Zoom update. It's, that's a real malfunction there when I just pop up on there. It's like, there's definitely a problem. Stop using that C64. <laughs> Is it working or are you froze? Oh, I see your cursor. So Dad Rudio saying Lucifer possessed your computer because you were playing scary video games. <laughs> this is now an exorcism, not a high score list. <laughs> uh, I will fix it in post. Click it channel. And you're muted, Sco uh, Sloopy. I thought he was being awfully quiet. <laughs> no wonder everyone's talking over me. <laughs> There's no, so the usual. Ones. Okay, let's try this again. Take three. <laughs> For the last two weeks, we played uh, Lucifer's, Lucifer's Kingdom from Orange Software. We had 12 Poor Souls play. And we should mention this was originally a dragon game. So, Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm just not going to look. I'm not going to look. In 12th place, we had Ed Rhodes with 32 9, 10. 11th, we'd had Exile in Paradise with 50,380. Good score, Alan. 10th place, we had Coconut Bob with 100,810. 9th, Jim Rye with 153,010. 8th place, we had Mr. Dave, 6309, with 157,690. 7th, we had This Fool with 180,550. He was pointing to Grant, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said fool, not moron. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes, because you're moron, then I'm off. <laughs> Shenley with 223,300. Sabhead with 239,180. Buck Owens, not in first for once. 321, 320. I think he planned that. <laughs> Brian Walsh with 979260. And the number one poor soul this week is Tasman with 1,076,480. So didn't you get my score? Huh? I thought I submitted one. I thought I submitted a score. Uh, Who had third place? Huh. Maybe. Maybe I messed uh -huh. up. <laughs> You've been expunged. Four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, I screwed that up. Number three is missing. Hmm. Now, I definitely wasn't three. I would be much lower than that. But 
Someone yeah. doesn't know their numbers. Hey, I I know my is. I know my numbers well. I know my ABDs all the way up to to orange. I mean, you went all the way through the sixth grade. <laughs> yes, the color computer. The it, color computer has a ROM cartridge. The color computer has a ROM cartridge that could help you with that. <laughs> really? <laughs> and you could have a blast with a new math tutor. Show us the listing. Does um, Brian have what he can share with Sloopy? Show us the what? The new math tutor. What listing? Oh, this basic program you wrote there. It's pretty basic. Probably just a bunch of print statements with the inputs, I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe th number three is in there. Oh. No, it's not. It happens yeah. to the best of us. I, I think yeah, we need to check your code, make sure it automatically calculates the numbers in reverse order so you don't forget next time. <clears throat> well, actually, what I did was I put it in a um, uh, spreadsheet text uh, and spreadsheet. entered it using Vim into, into a uh, basic program and then copied and pasted it into VCC. Ah. Yeah, um, Curtis, I'm looking through the uh, game on, and I think you pulled a Sloopy. No, I found it. <laughs> oh, you did? 216,460. Back from February 23rd, so I was on the first week. So you uh, would have been about uh, sixth place or so, I guess, sixth or seventh? Yeah, probably. I would have been behind Sabed. Yeah, I remember typing your name. I think part of the problem, I think the reason why it was why it was an issue is because when I originally did it, I miscalculated and had a defense post error and uh, put 11 in there when there was actually 12. And when I redid it, you got uh, number three got out. bumped. <laughs> By yeah, the way, I, Sloopy, Sixy says the problem is you're using BCC, not XRAR. Well, I... <laughs> I would agree, except for one thing. Hmm. There is one feature that that VCC has that XWR does not, and that's the ability to uh, paste basic code into the machine. Oh, cut and paste. Yeah. Yes. And VCC uh, version one doesn't even have it. You have to use VCC version two. But otherwise, I always use XWR. I'm always constantly recommending everyone to use XROR. People tell me to shut up about XROR because I talk about XROR too much. <laughs> that was y'all's cue, but evidently you... I'm, uh, I'm sorry, what were you talking about? Y'all want me to continue talking about XROR because XROR is the greatest. XROR is the best thing you can get since a real cocoa. Get the hook. Okay. Shut up about <laughs> XROR. <laughs> Ask your doctor if XROR is right for you. Yeah. So uh Asparagus. <laughs> so yeah, we had uh our uh I let's see here. I looked for uh for information on um Lucifer's kingdom and because I didn't look far enough I didn't find any. But I'm sure there is some out there. There there is a review in Dragon User magazine. Um I might even be able to find it if you want to vamp for a bit. Tell you what, uh, Sixty in the chat is saying that uh, the current Git code has a paste ability, uh, only in the middle button paste, though. Oh. 
that be a little difficult for me. I don't know what is my little middle bit middle uh, mouse button is. <laughs> uh, usually, the if, if your wheel has a click in it, that's usually what it is. Um, my wheel, when you press it, it changes from smooth uh, scroll to clicky scroll. Maybe this button in the middle underneath the wheel is the middle button. That could be it. Oh, also, Slippy, your check's in the mail oh, on the e-post. Ah, my check's in the mail for, why am I getting a check? Pr- promoting uh, extra, extra promotion. Ah, cool. I wasn't expecting it, but hey. Am I paid by by the uh, by the ad or by the uh, number of times I uh, say X work? Because if it's by the number of X work uh, mentions, then I can X work a lot of uh, mentions about X work. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, um, we had quite a few people playing it. Obviously, um, everybody was playing it on the uh, game one challenge. Um, the biggest thing is that it seems that the the instructions for it are not very clear. Fortunately, uh, that old uh, internet meme of getting a one's body part stuck in something didn't apply. So, but still, we figured out some of the um, mechanics of the game, but um, not all of them. Um, it was a very popular, popular game, and uh, it did invent a new language of various bread-based products itself. And I do know where is It's like a new chapter in the colorful language, right? Absolutely. It's a new dialect of computer language. Um, Yeah, here's an... This is an advertisement from... Um, what's du dragon user dragon user that's it um uh, number 69 january 1989 uh over the past few months there have been a few good new and fairly original games released for our computer here we have bust out which is the uh which is the title gives away as a clone of the cost the arcade favorite breakout with games like Lucifer's Kingdom around, surely breakout clones be sent off to collect their old age pension. So <clears throat> basically it's saying Lucifer's ah. Kingdom's better than uh, playing breakout or breakout clones. Which I would agree with them. <clears throat> I did like it. It was a pretty decent game. And uh, here's a uh, a uh, advertisement for it. Lucifer Kingdom is a scrolling shoot 'em up game in which they have you, to fight through. Are you supposed to be sharing a screen? No, because I'm oh. I'm looking at the post that um that's fine. Yeah, uh that Buck Owens made in the Discord. And uh so most of the people here have seen it, and the only people that probably haven't are the people that are in the uh that are listening to the podcast and you'd have to li- you have to uh look real hard anyway because you can't use your earballs for reading and uh, printed the word. Even though I've got the face for the uh, for the voice and the voice for the printed word. Yeah, it's a uh, 
Yeah, they um, advertise it as a uh, scrolling shoot 'em up game in which you have to fight through different uh, planets and five regions in order to destroy Lucifer himself with a host of baddies trying to stop you achieving this. It was uh, five ninety nine plus fifty pence uh, post and parcel. Evidently, Orange Software, the company that made it, had over forty other games and utilities available now. I've never heard of Orange Software, but then I've never owned a dragon, so it's not surprising. And I'm not even going to try to decipher that address. I have a screenshot I can show of the uh, advertisement for it, if you want. Eh, If you'd like. So this is uh, yep on the right-hand side. You can see it. This was King of Orange Software. Actually advertised it for the Dragon 3264 and Tandy Coco. So it was actually meant for both machines on sale in the UK, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. They did Never got it here, of course. Candies. That is an absolutely awesome address. There should be a Dragon there. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of, um, what's the name of that game? Um, uh Astro Warrior on the uh, Sega Master System or uh, Xevious on the uh, arcade and other platforms. Had a lot of the s- similar uh, constructs where you're in open space shooting uh, um, flying uh, baddies and then you're over top of a land mass shooting uh, baddies while you're trying to shoot things on the ground, which I guess there's a lot of games that are that uh, would fall under. Actually, yeah. one thing Karen had pointed out is that it actually is a clone of a specific arcade game, which I'm just going to bring up here in a second. Oh. Which I did not realize myself. So let me get that loaded up. Okay, here we go. Was it a game, an arcade game we had here in North America? Yeah, I don't think it was that common, though. Star Force? Yeah, released in 1984. <clears throat> kind of a, like it looks a bit like Zeus, but it has the same floating islands and you know waves of ships. And, yeah, expanded Zeus. And the different planetary systems you've got to go through, like the different areas, that's in there too. So it is definitely closer to this than Zeus, like I originally thought. Oh, I like the website you found it on. <laughs> Part of the many updates I've been doing the last couple months. Cool. So, any uh, tips, tricks, and recommendations for this game? Build a rapid fire circuit. Yeah, definitely. Because your thumb is going to get sore playing this thing. Um, trying to think of some. <clears throat> rapid fire, try to get your uh, bonuses, try to get your crystals. Well, it depends if you're going for score, if you're going for exploration. If you're going for score, from what I've read in the uh, Discord, uh, they recommend actually don't get the crystals on the first level because then you can go through the first level, which is the easiest, and just rack up more points shooting everything else. But because uh, you have to collect so many crystals to get to the next level. If you're going for, this is like Popstar actually, <clears throat> if you're going for trying to see how far into the game you can get, then obviously get the crystals as much as you can. Um, the one type of ship, the one that everybody complains about the most, which 
basically comes down, it looks like a U or something, and then it sideways shoots at you all the time. Just make sure you're moving vertically and kind of lead them so that you know where they're going to be coming out. Then you can kind of dodge them. Um, that was one little trick I picked up. But Yeah, the ones that come down the side and then they start coming over when they see yeah. when they the same level. As soon as they get the same level as you, they shoot across. So if you're moving vertically, you can avoid them pretty easily. Yeah. As long as there's not too much other stuff in your way at the same time, like shots and things. Yeah. As long as you're not all the way at the bottom, they're easy to avoid. So, so that'd be one recommendation. Don't die. I'm going to see if I can, while you're talking about strategies, see if I can find one of the reviews of it too here. Anybody else have any uh, tips or tricks from that, either in the chat or on, on the panel? I know people played it. <laughs> it's not an easy game. It definitely is it's fairly difficult. Ah, there, found it. So let me share a screen again. This will be one of the reviews. There's two reviews in Dragon. Karen maybe can explain this. <clears throat> there was a review in July of 1988 and another one in September of 88. So I'm not sure why they reviewed it twice, just a couple months apart. But that's apparently what they did. Needed content? Could be. This was near the end of Dragon users, so. <clears throat> Need to fill some space. So this review is by Mike Stott, who I think was one of the editors. He goes, by no means, just your average zap. And you can see the uh, dragons in the lower right corner. That's how they rated. It was one to five dragons per. Now, I'm not sure what the parentheses means on the first dragon. It's giving four or five with a parentheses. Maybe. I could be. Uh, Five pounds, 99 in cassette. Um, Can describe the cassette case, which we can kind of skip. Goes into a bit of an explanation of how the game actually plays. I'll just give it a summary at the end here. So basically, um, all in all, this is a game which I really enjoyed playing and will also be enjoyed by those of you who like pure zap games. Many people will say that it's too similar to Utopia, but I found that the two games need entire or completely different tactics and enjoy playing both. I would have liked to have given this game five dragons, but hesitate to give the maximum to a game I've not yet completed. If the rest of the game reaches the same high standard, it's certainly worth five. I can't remember if I've played Utopia or not, but I think that's another Xevious style uh, Dragon original game. So, so that's what the parentheses is about. Yeah. So it's four and a half. Could be. Yeah, he, th- he thinks it'd be five if he completed it, but if something bad happens and the game you know flops near the end, then he would probably give it a four. I'll see if I can find the other uh, review too, just to figure out why they did two. <laughs> so, so in the chat, uh, sixty was saying uh, uh, likely towards the end he definitely had reviews from different people, sometimes in the same issue. Uh, he said so he's reminded by Fire Force, which had an absolutely terrible review in one issue, and then several more forgiving ones in a later issue. The first one was right when it comes to Fire Force. That game is freaking impossible to play. That's what sixty says too. <laughs> I think it was it was technically impressive, visually impressive, played like a dog. Yeah, I think a, a part of the problem with this game is is that the uh, instructions are not exactly clear or existent. Yeah, because you've got like like those those um, 
plates for like the baseball home home plate looking things um, that just go back and forth. What is there anything that they do besides go back and forth? Um, and there's other things. It's like you have to there. There's like too much to figure out in in the game that is just constantly there. If you and and they do they kill you? No, they don't. Oh, like uh. Like the things that get smaller and smaller, and then they turn into a letter. What are they doing? <laughs> and yeah, like, that was one thing I complained about actually early on playing it too. Is that there's uh, yeah, the crystals you can figure out fairly quickly, and you've got those little bonus multipliers you can light up so you get extra points. Um, yeah. But like, other than that, yeah, there's a lot of stuff you shoot. There's some things that just flip around and block shots. I don't know if they have any other purpose. Yeah, you know, Scott Cooper is saying I'm assuming those diamonds give you 100 points every time you shoot a plate. Yeah, but the thing is, is that your eyes are so focused on the game so that you don't die, because that's evidently a good thing to not die, that you can't really keep watching the score. Evidently. You need a co-pilot to to play the game? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Co-pilots are for rally drivers. This isn't a rally game. So, all right. Any other uh, recommendations or uh, suggestions? I just found the other review, so I'll bring it up and see see what it said here. Um, okay, what page is that on? Seven and eight. Let me get over there, and then I'll share my screen once I find it. Okay. <laughs> this is riveting, I know. Well, I wouldn't want totally dead air for the. Yeah. Um, now, this one is titled Oranges and Cream in Lucifer's Land. I have no idea what game they're playing. I don't remember any of that. Um, <clears throat> well, it's from Orange Software, so. And this is from the October 1988 uh, Dragon user, so a couple months later than the first review. And he actually says, it's been a couple of months since I've got around to writing a review, but at least now that the ink is flowing again, I've got something to rave about. So apparently he's going to be impressed. So I'll skip to the summary paragraph if he has one here. Page eight. There it is. This game reminds me of Vanguard, an old arcade favorite of mine. I I would say more Zevious than Vanguard. Um, Which shows how highly I rate this game. One factor the Vanguard had is... uh, that this has is addictiveness. I can say that because you, while as frustrating as it is with some of the hitboxes being way too big, you do feel like you can do better and you, you keep going back to it. And I saw that some of the people in the, the chat and the, and the Discord were actually doing that or even on the live stream for that matter. At first, it's a bit frustrating a bit as you try and comprehend what's happening and how to play your role in it. But after a few plays, you become more and more determined to reach that next planet, that next region with the next life of the next game. There seems to be quite a few good new games about in the moment, and this is certainly one of them. If you've got a joystick in need of exercise, that's an understatement. It's checking the post time, because to conclude with a totally epsimal pun, this orange is a juicy one. Ha ha. So, yeah, bo- both of them gave it absolutely glowing reviews. And I have to say, it's actually quite a quite a good game, even from a technical. It's got smooth scrolling, vertical graphics, and... You know, decent sound effects for you know what what you're trying to do with shots and explosions, etc. And a lot of different elements to it. A lot of different you know alien ships and various things that you can shoot and get power up type things. I think the power ups. I'm not sure. 
But uh, the, yeah, the documentation is lacking. I've actually took the scans of it on the World of Dragon uh, archive, and uh, there's not much there. It doesn't explain what any of that extra stuff does, which is the one disappointment I had. The game itself is pretty good. I tried playing at double speed, Coco 3 speed. It's a little bit too unmanageable. <laughs> so, <laughs> If you thought you had to fire fast in the first round, wow, try it on Coco 3 speed, wow. So, Karen, um, I, I'm not familiar with Utopia, and I noticed you you said I personally sh- side with the original. I probably shouldn't comment on Utopia. Go ahead and comment on it. I'm kind of curious as to what what you think the main differences between those two. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty good game, and um, the fact that they sold it for the Coco in the UK, and this is a couple of years after the Coco got discontinued in the UK, to be honest, because uh, when the Coco 3 came out, they pretty well quit selling, and they didn't sell the Coco 3 in the UK at all. Um, and, and Nick, I'm presuming you never saw this game in Australia either. Nah, nah I don't see it. And, and like an equivalent, so we would have had here the original Coco One and Two version of Xenion, which we've never seen. We've only seen the Coco Three when the Dicom sold it. But the original version sold in Australia actually ran on the Coco One Two. I'm imagine it'd be similar to this. And then Spectral Associates had Devious, which is a Zevious clone, which is probably the closest other one I can think of to this. No. I'll wait for the chat to catch up in case Kieran has any further tips and tricks on it here, since he's obviously played it a lot more than we have. <laughs> oh, I should mention, uh, this is one that accidentally does have artifacting colors. Uh, obviously, the dragon did not have artifacting colors, at least not the same way we're used to. So um, it was designed to be a black and white game, which is how I played it. And my screenshot from my score was in black and white. But if you look at all the screenshots from other people, it actually did use kind of a crosshatch style or, or alternating pixels. So it actually comes up with some orange and blue during case of gameplay. So it actually accidentally has NTSC artifacting in it. Not by design, as far as I know. Okay, Mike Miller in the chat. Uh, he says, Utopia is poor, kind of like a weird Egyptian non-isomorph for Zaxxon, but it plays like a dog. <laughs> I don't know. I've never played with a dog. You've never played with a dog? I didn't say play with a dog. It's plays like a dog. It's like a dog. Oh. oh. Plays fast. So imagine you run around barking, chasing frisbees and bumpers of cars. Hey. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't think there's anything more, much more to say. It's actually a decent game. I, If you've never tried it, I would give it a shot. Uh, joysticks required 32k of ram uh doesn't need 64k um i personally prefer on black and white but you'll get some artifacting if you're playing like an rf or a composite on an ntsc machine yeah i definitely put it in my top 50 favorite games for the coco what year did you say it came out 88 oh so it's one of the later ones yeah and based on the arcade game that came out in 84 So was that was that Mark or somebody was saying something? Yeah, totally off topic, but it's like, what does the dog think it's going to do if it catches the car? It's going <laughs> to put a bumper up in its trophy room. Right. You know, they're always chasing cars. What are they going? What are they planning on doing when they catch it? Uh, biting it. <laughs> yes, my parents had to pay people for the. Their dog, that our dog, uh, biting their car and putting uh, teeth holes in the, in the sheet metal. 
<laughs> now, Scott Cooper's asking in the chat. He said, "There's no video of Lucifer playing." I'm I'm sure you have some. You could play Sloopy from the the live stream, right? Uh, yeah, I guess I could do that. Just just for those that you know, can't catch the live stream there and want to kind of get a brief, just you know, visual description of what we're actually talking about. I think you can kind of show the other game that's going to be continuing on this next week, which is Ariel, one of the Inafuto Japanese cross-platform oh. engine ones, which I've actually mentioned to the, the Terror City Trash Talker people here, so maybe we'll get them to do a quick review, because I, I think eight of the 11 games they've done, those multi-platform ports are actually on the Model 1 as well, which I didn't realize until I looked. So for those of you who have Model 1s and 3s and 4s, etc., that you might be able to try some of the Ariel stuff on there as well. Let's try this again. Hopefully I won't crash. Yep, yeah, there you go. So, yeah. so, so last week's Game on challenge was so good. It's a two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> and right. I think the upper right corner, if I remember, that's me running at a double speed. And the ones on the, uh, the other ones you see playing there are running at regular speed. And I didn't last too long doing that. So I didn't, I didn't keep that going. Yep. These it's are a pretty good attempt at a, uh, a vertical shooter, really. Yeah. It's even got kind of, um, multi planar, uh, graphic. Now oh, that's not the right terminology, but I'm trying to think of. Well, like sprites. No, but we have the backgrounds going two different speeds because the star field's going at a different speed. Oh, the parallax. Parallax field, yeah, yeah. Parallax scrolling, that's what I'm trying parallax to do. Parallax scrolling, yeah. Brain farted there. So that would have came out about the time of uh, Xenon. Xenon on the Coco 3. I think a little bit earlier. Didn't Xenon come out in 89? Well, maybe in Australia came out earlier. Because it was yeah, sold there for a few months know. before uh, uh, DICOM got it. Yeah. Yeah, they would have been competitors, actually. <laughs> so here's uh, four people playing at once in different uh, places of the game. What's yeah. the sound effects like? They're pretty basic, but serviceable. And here we have uh, Curtis playing Ariel. Yeah, Coco 1 and 2 version in that particular case. This Ariel being the... Uh, Sky type, uh, not the uh, mermaid type. Yeah. Also, uh, for those of you with MC10s, uh, Ariel, there's a version for that for the MC10 too that runs on high res. You'll need a 20k RAM upgrade or higher, like say the MSCX128 or the MCXSD30, no, 32S. I can't remember what it's called. The MCX32SD. Thank you. <laughs> or you can play it on a Coco 1 or 2 with at least 32k RAM or a Coco 3 with 128k. In fact, if you fast forward, I think I switched to the Coco 3 one at some point. Yes, you Which did. actually has pretty improved graphics, to be honest. Yeah, there. That's the Coco 3 one. Yeah. You get planes of different colors, like the ones that come from behind you are purple, and the ones that come in front of you are green. Uh, some of the uh, designs of the missiles and the uh, uh, artillery on the bottom there is, is quite more detailed, too, so... It's a, it's a nice little cross-platform. I mean, these are generic engine stuff. I think the engine's called Kate, C-A-T-A. I don't remember what that stands for. Um, so on a uh, machine like the Coco that doesn't have dedicated sound hardware, like if you play some of the ones that do have dedicated sound chips, you'll actually hear like multi-voice music playing all the time you're playing. For the ones that just have built-in raw sound, it's just basically sound effects. When you shoot or kill something type thing, it plays a little single voice ditty at the beginning when you start the game type thing but it's got pickups like you can get free men if you shoot certain things you've got bosses you've got the big blimps and on later levels you start getting more than one blimp at a time 
This is one of the ones where um, the Inafita ones where actually it scales difficulty pretty well. Um, so definitely, if you haven't tried it this first week, uh, since it's going to be one of the games featured for the next week as well, I would definitely download it and take a look at it. <clears throat> if you go in our Discord, uh, Mr. Dave has patched one, the Coco 1 and 2 version, I believe, to run with the joystick controls instead of the standard keyboard controls that are built in. And you've got two different options for keyboard controls, too. You can use the arrow keys, space bar to fire, or you can use I, J, K, L, I think, and then the uh, space bar to fire. So you got a couple of options there. But uh, this is the end of the Lucifer's Kingdom for the last two weeks. And uh, definitely, if you didn't get a chance to try it out these last two weeks, I'd definitely download and give it a shot. It's actually a pretty intense game. There's a lot of new stuff coming as you get further and further into the game. You'll, you'll keep seeing new things. So it's a bit of an exploratory game, kind of like uh, Popstar was the week before. Um, and so, nice, you know, parallax scrolling. So so basically what you're saying is, is that I picked a really good game. Yep, it is a good game. Yeah, the hitbox on game. that shape we just saw in the upper left corner there, uh, I don't know if anybody caught that, but the little U horseshoe shape things, it's a little bit too wide. I mean, you'll, you'll die without it actually looking like you actually got touched. Yeah, so well, a, just remember that when you see next week's game. Are you picking another one like that? <laughs> uh, no. It was a threat. I am picking one of my most favorite games for the Coco. Scripts it. Scripts it too. All right. Are we ready to reveal next week's game? It's spectacular. Yep, I think so. Yes. If, if people paid attention, no, they would know, no. already know what game this is. So. You're talking about Poltergeist. <laughs> this is the game. Ah, oh, that's yes. a craptacular one. <laughs> is that some kind of Australian knockoff? Yep. <laughs> I think the machine crashed. We're just seeing a screenshot of a crash with random colors, right? <laughs> and and you're going to do Neutroid 2 or Neutroid 2015, uh, the new one, though, the later one, 2015, yeah. Yes. Well, Nick, <clears throat> Nick no. this is the re-release you did, so it actually would play so you could see your score and stuff on the Coco 3 because of the way some On the Coco 3, yeah. Did you change did, the gameplay at all, Any? I did a bit because it, um, it was a bit harder originally, so... So we should, we're recommend for everybody to be on the same level playing field, especially for the three users. We should use the new one. We sh everyone should use the two hundred one five. Yeah, yeah. Well, this runs on the Coco one and two as well. Yeah, because everyone should use a two two point oh one five because that is the actual game for the game on challenge this week, not the older yeah. one. But I didn't want people one. to get confused and, and just you know hear the word Neutroid, go grab the old one by accident without really paying attention, and wonder yeah, why the cat score is good. It's well, freely downloadable off my website. So, yep. Now, Nick, did you ever convert this one to the Dragon Case into one of the Dragon viewers want to try it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I, I need to check that. Yeah, I don't know. If yeah. not, uh, Kieran, would you have any free time in the next day or two to quickly hack one together? Because you're getting pretty good at that. <coughs> Actually, um, did I put joystick control into this version? I don't have a clue. I can't remember now. Roll down. There's a list of uh, things I did on the page. Yeah, down there. What do I do? Graphics. Removal keyboard oh, control my. system replaced with joystick. Yes, you're right. Ah, so that should work on a, on a Dragon, yes. Okay. Except maybe entering your initials. Do you have that in there? Um... Yeah, uh, I haven't played it in a while. I can't remember, but that would still work. I mean, well, it's a pretty forgettable game, to be honest. So, no, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> it's an intelligence test. <laughs> yeah, you if you're intelligent, you don't play this stupid game. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Curtis. Yeah. Good question for you. How many times have you played this game? Too many. Too many. And which means greater that? than one. <laughs> how many is that? <laughs> this is an ongoing joke between Nick and I because this game, the instructions are so obtuse. At the beginning, a lot of people didn't. They're not. They're, they're very detailed, actually. Yeah. I thought it was great. I think it's a great game. I and actually, it's it's I, it's after Nick explained it to me off the original version. Like uh, it was about yeah, the keyboard controls. I've I've kind of gotten used to it myself. So yeah, I mean, I I is a fast one. I figured out how to play it without reading the directions, and once I read the directions, I got even better at it. I mean, I liked it. That's why. I at first, I thought it was like Reactoid, the Radio Shack cartridge type thing, and it's. Yeah. Got some similarities, but no, not not quite. Well, it it plays with uh, the atomic <coughs> uh, nuclear concepts, I guess. Um, but apart from that, that's as actually you can see on, on, on your list of updates here, Nick. You have improved documentation. I developed a new set of instructions to more clearly convey the game concept because the original was a bit obtuse. Sorry, I reduced the text of the original and incorporated a screenshot pointing out what everything is. And there's also a YouTube video guide on how to complete <laughs> Grid One C link below. So yeah, down if you bottom, do get confused, go, go check that out. It's just down the bottom of the screen, isn't it? Yep. Or you can tune in Thursday for the Game On Challenge Live and watch people play and ask questions. Yep. Sloopy will explain it to you since he actually likes the game. That's right. He's the pro. Yeah. I don't know about being the pro. I mean... Well, pro at explaining how to play it because you obviously know how to play it. I know how to play it. It doesn't mean I'm a pro. (laughs) Now, this was, or Neutroid 2, was my very first Coco Coco game. game. Yeah, that was my very first one I did back in 1984, I think it was. After and based on a Model 1-3 one, game you did before that. Yeah, so Neutroid 1 is on, yeah, the Model 1. So this was my first Coco 2 game, or Coco 1 game. Um, and one of the things I wanted to do was make it colourful, because even back in the day I thought the colour computer needed more colour and made a lot of noise. So. <coughs> It's uh, yeah, the sound effects speak. are really good in this one. I will give you credit there. Yeah, yeah. so it has good sound, good graphics. And back then when I was young and I actually had reflexes, I wanted a, <laughs> a fast game. So uh, it does speed up a fair bit. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll be a bit, bit hard for us nowadays. But with the joystick, it does make it a lot easier. Back then it was only the four arrow keys. And uh, nowadays, when I try to use that old version, my my fingers just go up, tie up in the, my fingers just scramble up. I just can't do it. But joystick makes it a lot better. See? Easy. Anyway. See how self-explanatory this is? I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Okay. You see the white thing going around? Oh, the white thing is what you control. Yeah, the white thing is what you control, and what you're doing is the green, the green bits on the side are what you're trying to get. But you have to go off there and grab them when they're at, in line, like that. Hey, green things on the bottom and the top, not the things on the yeah, side shooting. Right? Not the side. The not ones at the side just avoid them. What about the blue ones? What are those? those they are chase the you. Yeah. Basically. You control that white particle on the grid 
and you can go up, down, left, right, you know, just basically running around in the on the grid, avoiding the blue things and avoiding the, the laser things on the sides. And your goal is to leave the grid and hit the uh, those dots at the top and bottom. Yeah. Uh, and one and one by one, you knock them all out. And yeah, he, I just saw he, he didn't get them all, but the game ended. Did he die or did he complete yeah. a level or what happened there? You have a certain amount of energy to, to do to do things and you lose yeah. energy when you hit the uh, the bad guys, the blue ones going around, or if you go off the side to get a uh, nucleus and there isn't one there. Okay. Now, there's also orange dots on the bottom and top. Yeah, Most so of them are the green, orange but there's orange. Ones, what are those? Those are like uh, when you get one of them, the you can... Uh, you can neutralize the uh, baddies. You can go Blue ones, yeah. Right uh, think of Pac-Man. Think yeah. of Pac-Man, yeah. If you so get like a, the kind of like a power belt, you become immortal, or what? What happens? Yeah, uh, no, it gives you more energy, and you can actually wipe out the blue ones by running into them. But then that only lasts for a short time, and then it reverts back, and then you've got to avoid the blue ones again. Oh, okay. But basically, the goal is you've got to knock out all the dots uh, that that are scrolling in the top. Orange and green, you have to knock them all up. Orange and green. And you have to leave the grid that you move on and time it right so that when you leave it, you hit a particle and then you bounce back into the grid. If you don't hit a particle, you hit the uh, radiation shield on uh, on the uh, outsides and you you die. So the radiation shield is that thing that's blinking through colors right now? The part that's glowing, yeah, that's uh, radiation shield. Okay. See how self-explanatory this is, folks? I'm being as sarcastic as heck It's here. very easy. Read the <laughs> effing manual. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, it is a fun game. Once once Nick explained it to me, because I tried reading the original version of the manual, and I just got lost. It is a fast game, so I don't know how, how uh, people are going to handle it, because back in the day when I did release it, I even put, I remember I went I went big time and actually uh, posted a... Uh, advertisement in one of the Australian cocoa magazines and um, I was hoping you know I would sell lots of copies of this and uh, I think I sold zero actually I know I sold zero <laughs> it just didn't sell people uh, like Curtis they just didn't get it yeah so yeah it was a bit of a fizzer and I almost left the cocoa market there and then and then I thought, well, look, you know, I'll give it one more crack, but this time something a little bit less abstract. And that's what Which I was did. Which was Tony Dilemma, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah, that one Donut actually became Dilemma. your best-selling game of and all time. And that one did, and that's, yeah, because of that I stayed with the Coco, and here I'm still here. Oh, we're, we're, actually, when you hit the um, radiation grid at the top, I said before you die, you don't die, you do bounce back again, but you lose a lot of energy in in the uh, in the crash. Yeah. Yep. See, it's re it's really easy. I mean, you know, I just got six thousand points there. Yeah. Even so, if you're me. playing this on the dragon, it should work because of the joystick controls. But you it will probably get gibberish yeah. for your name when you try to type in your name for high school. Kieran, if Kieran's still online, go to my website, download it, try it on your <laughs> dragon. It's there. You can just download it, try it, and you can you can report back to us. <laughs> that title meant to be flickering a bit smoother, but Discord yeah, isn't uh, showing capture. it properly. 
over the web. I like the way it looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah on your yeah, end it looks, looks good, Slippy. I hear it doesn't. It looks like it's just blinking between. Yeah, here it junk it's, and uh, Discord uh, is too slow a frame rate. Wrong. And there, I noticed. I said, "Press S to start." S may not work on a dragon. Yeah, so whatever the key. yeah. So hunt around whatever the dragon uses as an <laughs> S key, uh, or the translation is that'll start it. So just mash the keyboard with your fist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just press every key. You'll find wh- wh- whichever key is meant to uh, start it. I don't know if you saw that, Nick. Uh, but uh, six in the chat says homework. <laughs> yeah, homework. Yeah, your mission. <laughs> so, so everyone understands how to play the game. Piece of cake. I mean, yeah, you move the thing from the other thing down the other thing, but avoid. Don't hit the certain things, but you know, get the other things, and then you, yeah. yeah, don't die. Same, yeah, same. Avoid the witch macallits. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> see. I don't want to see a uh, score that's under like four thousand because I just showed you how to play and I showed you how easy it is. And I haven't played this in since September. You say I mean, like free download on nickmorentes.com. Yes. I want to give it a shot. I think it's also in the archive yes. too, I presume. Yeah. I Worth think it every is. Penny. Uh, I don't know about yeah, well it should be. I guess it's it's a free program, so it should be there. But if not, yeah, just go to my website, scroll down down yeah. the bottom part is where all my free stuff is, and you'll see Neutroid uh, two oh one five. And 32K, Coco, one, two, or three, and joystick is a minimum requirement. Is it 32K? I can't remember. I thought it was – the original worked in 16. Was that on cassette or disc, though? I thought on disc it needed no. 32K. Maybe I'm remembering wrong. It's entirely I, um, Yeah, I can't remember now. Jeez. Let's see here. My, oh, also- it's always nice having the author on here not having a clue about his own game. <laughs> that's, that's the problem when you keep writing games. You get them all mixed up as you go. <laughs> Yeah, and also, just as a side note... Oh, no, 16K. You're right. Even with the disk drive, there 16K. We go. It, 16K, uh, yep. That's what you told me in 2015. Yeah, it also works on... It also works in XOR, which is what we were showing... Which was what oh, good. I was working in. Yeah, it works on MAME for sure, because that's how I took the screenshots. I presu- well, presume it would work in VCC, the latest version. Yeah, it works. Well, actually, I guess I could try it now, and now that XRAW, uh I'm running XROR, I can test... Uh, I'd, Run extra X-Roy as a dragon and see if it'll re- load Neutroid. There we go. You should ask Yeah, I think 60 would still have to make a cassette or a disc image, though, wouldn't he? Because the disc uh, format on a dragon is totally different than a Kogo. Yeah. See, yeah, what? maybe, yeah. So 60 uh, already has full instructions in chat here. Yeah, let's just say check chat. <laughs> Looks like actually, 60 just said in the chat here, so download a Coco disc image, deck B copying and trying the bin in a dragon, C to start instead of S. Appears to work with the joystick just fine. The there disc image will not work as is, so he'll have to make a dragon custom one. Yeah. Or one of his fat binary ones where he has both versions on the same disc image. Oh, well, Sixy, if you uh, if you do that, send us a copy and I'll update my uh, download. I, I, I think the dragon people like it when we do some of these games where the author's here and they can fix them up for the dragon because then they get free new software they haven't had for years. Yeah. Um uh karen if you can uh, post it in the uh, game on challenge and then people can use that also for submitting official scores that's a good pick, actually. 
you got an hour left, Kieran, before the show ends. So hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Only an hour? <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, short news week news this yet. week, so. All right, is that it for Game On? Yep. That's it. Okay, let's take a... Uh, Commercial break, prop, come back prop, with the uh, double whammy of news. Profit-taking... Uh, sure, here we go. Hello, this is Mark Siegel, product manager for the Color Computer product line and designer of the Tandy Color Computer 3. And I'm proud to be a citizen of the Coco Nation. Shall we play a game? Making games for the Coco for over 35 years. Go to my Coco Games website at www.nickmarentes.com for information and pricing of my later games as well as downloads of many of my older games. Coco 2's got personality, lots of practicality, fun is sensational, learn is educational. Coco 2's expandable, so easily commendable. It's programmable, so term exam grammable. Just you and Coco 2 do what you want to do. Coco 2, the color computer with personality from Radio Shack. Sale price for Christmas giving from $149.95. Radio Shack's Coco 2, do what you want to do. Just you and Coco 2. When you want the latest in TRS-80, Tandy, Dragon, MC-10, and all of their hardware cousins, no matter what it takes, or where news breaks, from around the world, to your nation, 
Okay, we'll start with a version. What's that? Go ahead. Sorry. I thought there was a version with your hair on fire. <laughs> wasn't wasn't it last week? Anyway, doesn't that no I <laughs> it'd be more accurate. I thought I thought we had that uh, last week or the week before. When did if I a, see that? If only uh, there was a recording of this program that you could look back on demand yeah. on the internet yeah. if you really well, wanted that, to. Anyway, that was back that to was the, the news. version when we had the special uh, special guest that ah. never happened. This one needs to speak. Ah, okay. okay. Anyway, <sighs> okay. So first of all, uh, a bunch of Jim Gary stuff here. So uh, for the MC10. So this is it. Came from the West. Now we did this game here for the Coco that Erico had done. And it's a semi-graphics game that he's actually planning on entering on one of the programming contests for basic and to basically run around a city with, you know, zombies and stuff. And you got to you know, get things. So Jim, of course, you know, in the span of a week, ported it actually less than a week, ported it to the MC 10. And uh, for extra speed, he's actually compiled it using Greg Dion's MC basic compiler as well. So we'll play a little bit of that. So you can kind of get an idea for the game. I can't remember what all these different things here, but you drive a car between buildings and you have to like get keys and all kinds of stuff. The music's not included. I should mention that. But actually runs at a better clip than the Coco version did because of the compilation. So that's one. The next one he did is uh, one called Fall. And this is from a book um, originally for the Atlas, the French clone of the MC-10, the first generation Atlas, because of course the later Atlases went way beyond the MC-10 and beyond the Coco in some cases. Um, and this was a programming book that had 20 different games or 20 different programs in it. So he converted this one called Fall. And as he notes on the very bottom of the screen, you can see where I paused, it says this is the original version, which means, of course, he's got another version we'll be playing shortly. He's even got the original French. And it's kind of a paddle game, kind of like Kaboom or Avalanche or uh, Popcorn or something like that. Now, because you're controlling it with the keyboard, you obviously can't move across fast enough to catch things, which is something yeah, I think he approved on a little bit on the version that he does. So that's the original one. So let's bump ahead. And I'll skip over to here. So this is uh, what he calls Popcorn. So he's changed the game a bit here. Um. Actually, no. I guess I got to do a little request first. So this is a little bit different, though. You can see the paddles a little fair bit higher, which kind of inspired him to decide. You know, this is kind of like a popcorn style game, like Steve York's Real Car Coca Card. So we actually did end up doing the port, and once again compiled. I actually called the popcorn in tribute to Steve. But you can see you got the three paddles here. Now he's got the paddles staying on here. So popcorn, every time you let one go all the way through to the bottom, you actually lose one of the paddles to make it more difficult. But he has does have different skill levels here. Oops, I think we went too far. Where you start getting multiple ones falling at the same time, which makes it a lot more difficult because, like again, with the keyboard controls here, you can't 
like an analog joystick you can actually like, whip from left to right really fast. And uh, here you actually got to wait for the thing to move over. So you, you will miss some if they come from opposite sides of the screen. And here's level three. We've got three popcorn bits falling at once. I mean, it, it plays a pretty good clip. You also notice that on the level three here, the uh, paddles are much narrower width-wise, so it's actually harder to catch them. So, especially with keyboard controls, I imagine this would be very difficult compared to the analog joysticks. This is one game that on the Coco, it really required the analog to, to play properly. Next up, we've got Paul Shoemaker working on another game. This is a uh, side project for him, so it's not a, like one of his mainstay games. Um, it's a platform game, as you can see on the screen here, it's called Coco Ladder. Um, and it's expired by a game that was originally written for CPM using the text screen called Ladder. So it uses some like uh, text characters, basically. It's using a 32 by text 16 text screen without semi-graphics except for the title screen. But it does a bunch of little animation tricks like Jim is famous for doing on his MC10 game. So I'll play a little bit of that. Actually, I'll play the whole thing because it's only 38 seconds or something. You're the little spinning bar thing, and you have to, like, you know, hop up ladders and run across platforms and don't get killed. He's got some of his sound routines, his multi-voice sound routines you can see are here. It's pretty good for text, yeah. right? Yeah, it's not bad at all. Little bouncing, you know, the semi-graphic blocks actually looks pretty decent. Uh, I can see a Jim Gary 2 coming up. Yeah. Actually, this is a game that with Greg Dion's compiler, you may not be able to get the sound routines or something like that, but you might be able to duplicate the game in basic. So Jim might actually port this after Paul's done. Who knows? Yeah. Next next up, for those of you who have not seen the Amigos uh, Coco Show on Twitch, the YouTube version of this month's episode, which is episode 41, is Module Man. So I'll play a little bit of their little humorous banner at the beginning that I'll show a little bit later on. We can actually see the game playing. It's 21st Century Module Man That's on the Coco quiet. Show, episode 41. So now let's fast forward to some actual gameplay. Now, uh, they actually are playing the Dragon version here. The Coco version switches screen modes between different screens, um, between the green color set, the white color set, and then also the P mode for artifacting color sets. So you get four different sets of colors or three different sets of colors. Uh, the dragon version kind of skips the uh, the artifacting one because it looks like a bit of a mess. So this is kind of a customized one. Now, this is one of the games that Spectral Associates put out on their own after they started selling stuff through Radio Shack. And uh, this one actually supports sound speech packs. So if you have a sound speech pack and a multi-pack of some sort, you can actually get speech. They did not put any sound effects that I remember into this game, which is a bit of a disappointment. They could have. Um, but the gameplay is basically a you know, single-screen plat platformer, I guess you'd call it. There's 15 screens. And you actually have to get something and bring it back to the king that you will see at the beginning of the game. So back up here. It's such an impression on me that I did not remember it. Yeah, me and Boat actually played module. So you start the game here in front of the king who gives you this quest if you read the manual to go get a certain item and bring it back to him. Who and then you have, this is one game that could be patched to run a dual button joystick would be a much big improvement. Because um, basically you use the button to fire your little missile projectiles to kill some of the things that you have to face later on in the game. But uh, you also have to try to get in and out of these doors. You're allowed to run over them or you have to stand still and then push up to go through a door. And this, if you had a second button just to, you know, operate the doors, it'd be a much easier game because it's a bit frustrating when the, that kind of stuff doesn't work properly. So 
But here's a couple of screens. You can see some of the things. There's little, you know, point-based things like rings you can pick up. There's keys you need for certain doors, different colors of keys. You're in a whole different outfit releasing from the dragon. So let's talk about if you the fall too far, you die. First, I went to the uh, well, the American uh, but actually, you lose energy because you have an energy so bar on the top, so you can die quite over a few the times. States, this was uh, published by my favorite outfit, the Spectral Associates mm. boat. You like them even more than uh, and, and some of the shapes it got like it's kind of a medieval castle with a king, and then you've got tanks driving across the screen, so it's kind of weird hodgepodge of different items to that are either trying to kill you or you have to pick up. So Anyway, you can watch the video for um, witty banter and a uh, more full review of the game. You get to see quite a few of the screens in the game as well. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think we have covered this one on the Game on Challenge, haven't we? I can't or have remember. We not? I can't remember if we have or not. But it's a, it's a nice one. It's 32K RAM joystick, basically. It's uh, 15 screens, so you get a lot of variety. Uh, if you play the Cocoa version, you'll get you know different color sets too. How could you forget those colors? Well, this is the Dragon version. The the, the Cocoa oh. version has the standard black background, and well, no, oh. it, it sometimes has white and green too. But <laughs> at least he didn't make the sky all purple. <laughs> yeah, like say Puyan. Yeah. Oh, did uh, Mingo's Metro Game just show it in? Showed up in the chat too. They did. It was better than 10 Super Bowls. Well, not really. <laughs> Thanks for the commercial for ARG Presents, by the way. That latest one, that was hilarious. Next up, now we covered this last week. I noticed this page on YouTube has been just cranking out 30 to 40 second quick gameplay clips of a bunch of Dragon games. And he's actually completed the Dragon now as of this week, and he's on to the next system. So he's got 400 different videos. And uh, we played a couple last week, the ones he's kind of finished here. There's a few more that I've never seen before. Um, like Green Megabug. I've, well, I've played Megabug, obviously, but uh, Meteorite Patrol. I don't think I'd seen that one before. Millipede, which is actually a racing car game, kind of. Um, Mind Out, I don't think I've seen before. Mice's Dream. Yeah, I mean, if you want, you want me to pick one to, to play as a quick oh. little clip? Miser's Dream. See what Miser's Dream is, yeah. I don't know if I signed on this one. So you got coins coming out of a bag there, which you can bounce around with your little guy on the bottom. I assume you have to get it into the piggy bank. I'm not sure how all the other stuff works. So what do you control? I think you control this thing here. It's, it turns into a circle when you stop, or it can be a little... Is that a rocket or something? I have no idea. Oh, whatever. Oh, well. Karen, if you yeah, played this one, let us know. Because <laughs> it's a bit of a bizarre one. Yeah, the coins can roll with each other, so you can get some really weird... But yeah, there's there's quite a few cool things. I mean, a lot of these we've seen before. Um, there's a few that he played with artifacting on, so I don't know if he was trying to simulate a Dragon 64 NTSC Tano one, or if he just you know screwed up on the emulator and picked the wrong one. Oh, here, how about a semi-graphics Moon Patrol? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. SP4, <laughs> even. Not a bad attempt, though. I can see Jim Gary porting yeah, this one. I, I think it's actually written in basic, too. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Actually, Jim he Gary might have already ported a... this now that I'm thinking about it. I think he did do this one. Yeah, J- Jim Gary should uh, look at uh, doing this if he hasn't already. Yeah, I think he has, though, honestly. I think I do remember seeing this. Give him 20 minutes. I'll have it done. <laughs> yeah, I'll be done <laughs> by the end of the show. <laughs> uh, Mutant Wars, that was one I had not seen before. Uh, North Sea Action, I think we did. Number Chase, that's coming. Educational game. There's Olympia, their version of the Olympic Decathlon style game. Aussie, I remember we did play on one of the other dragon marathons we went through. Pac-Man in Semi-Graphics 4. <laughs> Another one. Hmm. Phasers. There's a few basic games in here, too, actually, as well as some machine language ones. Pitman is one, actually, that one? Jim Gary did originally. Pitman, are you? Here's that Cubert uh, clone that actually has different layouts of Semi-Graphics 24. That one actually is pretty mm. impressive. I wouldn't mind trying that one on the Game on Challenge. Prospector is actually a rainbow game originally. Pub Crawl. That's what uh, Karen's doing right now. He's having beer. So. <laughs> Some uh, Red Minis, which is a 3D Pac-Man. That one was kind of cool. I remember we tried that one. Here's one we have covered on the Game on Challenge before. That was uh, Stuart Orchard's Revenge of the Alien Bongo Beast in the Chrissy Crossy Lines Dimension, I believe, is full title. <laughs> Rollerball, I think we showed that one. He's actually got artifacting turned on for this one, which it normally would have just been black and white, but that's a kind of a 3D perspective one. Uh, the two different, you know, Battle Zone clones. Sea Dragon with artifacting turned on. Shaft, I think we played that one before, too. Shape Up, this is kind of a weird basketball game, I think. I'd never seen it. There's another Shanghai game. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of stylized off the Mac version. Why you have alligators? I think that's an alligator playing basketball. I have no idea. It looks like one here. I'm presuming this is a basic game, too. Yeah, it looks it. And looking at this, Nick, you can probably identify this better than I could, but this looks like he's using PAL artifacting to get these extra colors. Where he's changing. Yeah. Like kind of look on the edges here. I'm seeing getting, cyan, magenta, cyan, magenta. So I'm assuming he's doing It looks like a, it could be a com- combination, yeah, of a cyan. And even the and alligator, magenta. I think, is combining a couple of things. So you, like, you didn't yeah. do a dilemma on the a PAL version. You had six colors on a four-color screen, right? Yeah. So, so I'm presuming yeah. that he's doing the same thing here. Even if the game itself's not that good, it's it's impressive he's using the palette effecting. Anyway, there's 400 videos here to go through. So if you want to check out some, some of them you'll recognize from the Coco. Uh, some of them you'll recognize, but they'll be in completely different color sets than the Coco. And there's some others that are unique to the Dragon, including some we've never really shown on the show before. So quite a, quite a bit of stuff on there. And uh, he didn't cover every Dragon game, I don't think. Just a good chunk. Spy against Spy. Quite a few Defender Scramble type clones. There's the uh, Bouncing Boulders clone. Hey, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. I wish he'd done some longer videos for some of these. What's some of these the, have... the Supermoto, the one you're highlighting now? I think that's a basic one too, if I remember.
Yeah, so you have, you're on a bike, but you can jump over things or you can shoot them. So it's kind of like reverse moon patrol, sort of. Except one yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. A little bit choppy, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think the sound effects have a cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super Kid, which has that really... Uh, it, it, not quite what I call parallax schooling, but kind of in spirit. Oh, that was ground schooling at one program. speed. In the what's that? Oh, that was not in basic. No, that was an MO. This actually has speech synthesis, so he didn't record that because the guy actually sings "Super Kid" or something like that. I can't remember the exact tune, but. But nice smooth scrolling. I mean, he did a pretty good job on that. Yeah, he's done a good job with the the colors as well. The good design. Yeah. This is a game I, I tried once. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I kind of didn't you play it too much. That's one I should go back to. This is Sid Ziggy. This is a Spectral uh, Associates uh, game based on Star Wars. Anyway, lots lots of good stuff. There's 400 different games to, to take a look at, and most, if not all of them, are on the World of Dragon archive, worldofdragon.org. So if you want to go grab them and try them out, uh, quite a few of them have been ported to the Cocoa or are on the Cocoa itself. So if you find a couple that look interesting, you actually go on the Color Computer archive and probably find most of them there, too. So um, if they're keyboard controlled, you might have to worry about the differences between the way the keys are interpreted. So that's it for the game on stuff. I could go through that particular page for hours. Oops. I'm going to switch over to the other one. I'm bring it up to the bottom of my screen so I can see it. Okay, so Tuesday Retro Programming uh, has been posting multiple updates to his uh, Exploring Basic. Um, so we talked about last week, he was trying to do a base 10 to base 5 conversion program and was having some difficulty. And uh, a guy that owns a Commodore 64 actually gave him a quick little uh, program from that basic uh, to do basically what he would wanted. So he kind of goes through and explains how it works, etc. I won't play that here because that's a little bit boring to put on a live show, but got it working at any rate. And then he's been doing more stuff using Pcopy uh, to have smoother anima and faster animations of his character in his uh, Tales of Suburbia. Uh, so he did two update videos here to kind of show. Now, some of the stuff still work in progress because he's basically having to rewrite the entire engine based on this. So you're only going to catch, you know, little bits and pieces here. But uh, if you guys remember what the old one ran at, it's definitely a lot slower than it is now. It's kind of an interactive graphic adventure game. Oh, that one, yeah. But the movement's a lot faster. It doesn't flicker as much. And now yeah. one thing he's, he explains in one of the two videos, he updates he did, is that his original version, he actually had it so you could walk up and it wouldn't let you like walk through the bed. And that he's having to change all of that because the way it's, it's changing the way the actual program works. So, And then he did one other update here, which is basically the same, same situation here. If that... So we're in the hallway, and this is 
stage two, part two. Stage two, part one is the other part of the hallway. And this is going to be a cassette-based game with multiple uh, load points room, for different parts of the game. Um, a bathroom in Europe. And, um, you know, if we pass this part... Now, one thing he's been asking is how to do masking, background masking. Like mm. You'll see the green square here, because when he originally drew his little sprite character, it was on a green screen. I have actually got a little demo program showing him how to do it. It's using put with uh, get and put with some options like and for background mask and or for the foreground, which works. And Stevie's demoed with it uh, on his basic running through the basic extended basic manual uh, a couple of years back. Unfortunately, every time I try to post a link to it so he can get the disk image to try it, YouTube eats the comment. So any comments I leave with links on his page <clears throat> don't show up. They they show up for like two seconds when I, you know tell youtube to accept the comment is being done and then it just disappears so he never gets to see it so if he's watching this uh please contact me at curtisboyle.sasktail.net uh that's uh c-u-r-t-i-s-b-o-y's and young l-e at s-a-s-k-t-e-l.net and i will send it directly to you because i don't know what the heck youtube's doing but it's eating every time i try to put a link in now for you people that are more Spam. regular youtubers than i am is there a way to change a setting so that you can allow comments to have links or is that some new thing they're doing or what well I they think probably it's think the it's spam yeah but is there a way to allow that or or are you just you're at the mercy of youtube yeah you can allow it but it's best not to unless it's a moderator or something well i was thinking even if you can just let it you know long enough for me to get him the link so you can download you the disc a, and then shut it right back off. That'd be fine. Yeah, you well, give him a broken link that could be reconstructed to be yeah. useful. I tried you. that. I actually put like the word dot and com, you know, separated oh, out. Okay. I spelled site wrong with a G-H-T and it ate all of it. Oh, I, I did six separate attempts yesterday to try to get him the stupid link. And finally, I basically, I'm hoping he watches this, got my email address to email me. I'll just email you the disk image directly. Is it's it's it should not be this hard. You have um, to be more imaginative than the uh, spammers, right? The AI bot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should add porn to it and let through. I don't know because that seems to get through in our stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I, as a bonus, I did I didn't send him a, a disc image with just doing the masking, which does slow things down because you're doing two puts for every motion thing. And you can't use the fast put where you're doing on bite boundary. So I gave him a demo with the bite boundary one, too. Uh, but I also showed that uh, because of the way the extended basic manual explained how to reserve an array for doing get put buffers for the Cocoa 1 and 2 is completely out to lunch. They tell you to reserve way more RAM than you should. So they even mentioned manual, like you can only fit like, you know, 1400 pixels or something in a square on 16K machine. That's completely wrong. Um, I actually, as an experiment, and one of the things I sent him is I drew a random set of lines on the screen. And then told it to get the entire screen as get put buffer. And that works just fine. You can put it right back on, actually clear the screen random colors in between, and then do a put of a full 256 by 192 get put buffer. And that works. It's not super quick, but it's not bad speed-wise. I mean, it'll draw it in less than a second. Um, so you can actually do some pretty cool things with get put way above what the manual say. In fact, if we have people interested in doing it later on after the news, I'll actually load up the disk image. I just show you guys what some of the little things I sent over is um, just for, for people who have not, you know, explored get put buffers too much beyond what the manual says. Anyway, his game's turning out like pretty a, good. Sounds What's like that? a Cocoa Fest webinar. 
Well, I think Ken and I are going to be doing some other stuff. It's going to be more nitrosine based and that stuff, but I'm going to be doing planning on doing some graphic stuff. We haven't quite ironed out all the details, but um, one advantage that nitrosine and Oestine level two have over uh, cocoa three basic is that you can have multiple high res screens like on P mode on uh, cocoa one and two. Of course, you can have P mode one comma, you know, or four comma one and then four comma five. You can have two separate screens. Which you can alternate or do, you know, kind of animation effects, et cetera. But on the Coco 3, they didn't let you do that. You have each screen and then the screen. That's it. You have one screen. And on OS 9, you've got as basically as much as you've got device descriptors and RAM for. So if you want 16 screens under control of one program, go for it. You can do that. So we'll kind of cover a bit of that. I doubt it'll show a 16 screen screen one. But if you guys have seen the uh, Ray Trace bouncing ball demo, which has the little glass globe bouncing up and down. And then reflecting some other globes and background checkerboards and stuff. That actually, I think, is nine or 10 16 color 320 screens. So it's like a quarter of a meg of uh, actual graphic screens preloaded, and then it just flips between them. So that you can do in OS 9. So we'll cover stuff like that. See what you started. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, John, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, or Zizolfo. Uh, on Facebook in the Cocoa Group is really some more templates. Now, we covered some templates he's done in the past where he's done, I think the first batch was doing the uh, right protect notch and index hole templates. You can double side a, a flip, make a flippy disk basically, which Jason had mentioned he'd done back in the past as well. And then last week, I think we covered he was doing three different sizes of disk labels you could actually print out on a modern printer to make, if you buy the Avery sticky uh, stuff, you can actually peel off and actually use them for disk labels which actually I probably should do because most of my original Cocoa disc labels have all fallen off because the glue wore off. So he's actually returned with yet another thing to add in here. And uh, for those of you who have the Tandy electronic book, and that's a fairly rare item. I don't have one personally. I don't know how many people here on the panel do. Pretty sure Brian Weasler and Terry Ste or Steggy have them. Uh, I don't know if Rick or Mark or Jason or some of the other people here have it or not, but it was uh, kind of plugged into the joystick port from I remember, and then you would press this pen or something onto them, it would actually register as if it was an analog reading of a joystick. So you could actually make these templates of, of stuff to tap on, basically, to operate. And even some Tandy games use these. Even some Dragon games use these, actually. I think the Dark Pit is one. So basically what he's done here, uh, and for those of you who can't see it, uh, it's basically a page template to fit with the binder ring holes and everything in there for doing these little press button things you can do on the electronic book. And uh, if uh, the actual electronic book, when you bought it, from what I understand, came with some blank templates, you could design your own stuff. You can make educational programs, game programs, whatever you wanted to do. But of course, once you filled them in, you didn't have any blanks anymore. So this is a template you can actually print out to make your own blanks. And uh, because that's a fairly rare piece of hardware, I don't know how well a game commercially would do, but it'd be kind of cool if somebody actually made a game to require that again and maybe kind of expand on, maybe make a Cocoa 3 version of it, because I don't think that's ever been done before. I don't think any Cocoa 3 programs ever used electronic book. And since it plugs in the joystick port, it should just work. So I'd be interested to see what people could pull off of it. If anybody brings it to the fest here this year, I would like to take a closer look, because I don't know too much about electronic book. Um, I just know it plugs in the joystick port, and you can read it using normal joystick commands. But I don't really understand fully exactly how it works. I know John Linville did a deep dive on it at one point as the tech segment on the Cocoa Group. So uh, if, if people want to do a little bit of a review, I don't remember what episode it was, but he definitely covered it as well. And I might seems, have to pick one up to fiddle with. It seems a lot like a koala pad, which is the same type of thing, uh, analog right. joystick with a flat. Yeah, paper. except this is actually pages so, in a book. Probably. And it would I don't know if it detected 
which page you had open because these books had more than one page in it. So I'm not sure how that worked. Maybe you just mm-hmm. tapped a menu and say I'm on page seven or something. So I, I don't know enough about it to really talk about it fully, but I would like to get some more details on that. This next one, I'm going to play a couple of chunks of this. It's a almost 16-minute video. I'm not going to play the whole thing, though. It's fascinating enough to watch. I'm sure you guys wouldn't mind. Um, but this is actually put up by the Home Computer Museum. I believe it's in the Netherlands. And we've covered them before because they've actually had Cocos and Dragons in this museum that we've covered. What happened here is that they had a person that passed away. That I think they describe it down here. So I'll just read this out loud for people that uh, are not seeing the video. By the end of 2021, we were contacted to save computers of a deceased collector in a barn in southern Belgium. Little did we know what we found when we went to go pick it all up in September of 2022. It was like a free candy shop for computer collectors, and we're ever so happy that we got this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The Home Computer Museum saved around 100 computers from this collection. The rest is being saved by other collectors. Nearly everything is saved, and since October 2022, everything is gone from the barn. And this is a multi-level barn, just to give you a hint. Um, As a museum, this was like being in a candy shop. We were allowed to take all. We drove there with two big vans and three cars, all completely filled with stuff. This sounds like Brian Weasler out on a shopping trip. (laughs) Um, Registering and repairing took another three weeks in the museum. It has taken until January 2023 before we had the final piece, the hall barn, in our collection. That is a story for a whole new video, which will be available in the next month or so. So I will play a beginning and it kind of does the explanation driving up and then I'll fast forward to where we get to a few Cocos and TRCDs on here. But basically, this is a multi-story barn filled to the brim with old computer equipment, some of it in pristine, some of it in pretty yellow crap condition. Uh, the guy also collected um, general electronics. There's a lot of old electronic stuff in here too beyond computers, but he had all kinds of rare stuff. So I'll play a little bit here. This own computer museum barn find for the listeners. And I have a picture of the guy that actually owned this barn, which I'll pause just so I can read it out for the uh, listeners that don't have video. Joseph Jeff um, Maschelein, not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, born in Roeselaire, 1947, was the owner of this amazing collection. He grew up in Staden, West Flanders, which I believe is from the famous uh, Flanders Field poem from. World War. Uh, Jeff had a passion for electronics. Go there. I'll just need the music here. Um, he studied physics in Leuven. After studies, Jeff became a physics teacher in Weert in the Netherlands. Electronics was Jeff's hobby. He was especially passionate about the development of the computer. As early in the mid-1970s, his students were able to take extracurricular computer and programming lessons with him. These lessons were a big success, and a real computer club was founded, and it's at his school in Weert in the late 1970s. This was special at the time. Most people did not have their own computer at home at the time. Jeff, of course, did. Jeff was passionate about the development of the first computer. In his country house in the Ardennes, he built up an extensive collection of old computers. After his retirement, Jeff developed a new hobby, amateur radio, and Jeff moved back to stay in West Flanders, where he died in June of 2021. So that's kind of the background story. This guy was collecting stuff like from the 70s on. The following video was sent to us to see if we were interested in the barn find. We were. 
and then you just kind of like wander through some of these shelves. You got some Macs there, and there's PCs and all kinds of stuff here: monitors, keyboards, floppy disks, cables, printers. Halburn, now I don't know what that is. That's apparently a fairly rare machine. Walking by a whole bunch of uh, these look like PCs, I'm guessing, of some sort. Mm, I'm thinking terminals. Oh, could be. Yeah, a lot of those look like terminals. I'm used to really old terminals like ADM 3As, so those look too modern. <laughs> that is quite the collection you have there. Yeah, there's you a lot see of... like shelves and shelves and shelves full. And this is just one level. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, deck terminals there, and there was uh, a couple uh, HP uh, early PCs, like a deck rainbow. Yeah. You can, you can tell a rainbow because of the very unique disk drives on it. Now let's go upstairs to the second level. Shoulder high metal boxes weren't terminals. So. Ooh, uh, Morrow. Looks like a Franklin Ace 1200 with the drives on top of the Apple. I have to say, for the audio listeners, you guys are going to have to pop in and see the video for this. Get the link from the Discord show notes. If you're into old computers of any sort, this this is awesome. Well, anyway, I'm going to pause that. Oh, those look like pack of hells. Hey, he had I'm going to fast forward to where the Coco shows up as one of the. He had room for more. Oh, I was going past memory lane. <laughs> so what is that one there for all you smart guys that do retro collecting? Uh, that's not a U.S. model. Yeah, that's another nice thing. He's got a whole bunch of stuff Looks, we've never seen here. Maybe yeah. a little bit like a Commodore business machine, like a European Commodore. No, that's not one of the CBM machines. That's a Tulip System Tulip. one. Hmm. Hey, there's a human. There's a uh, Model 1. Yep. There's the uh, Model, f- ah. Model 4. A Multipack, Model four. a Coco. Model 4. Like Model, four. Model 2. MPI. Two Ooh, model two. That's model two. two. <laughs> Hold your cards. Bingo's been called. <laughs> oh, seventeen oh two. Yeah, and there was a uh, Franklin Ace one thousand back there. It looked like. If somebody didn't have a computer museum, this would be a dang good start. Well, this is a computer museum, so they they already had a good start, but they actually kept over 100 machines themselves. This wouldn't be a start. This would be the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ready-made museum. Dusted. Zenith monitors. Hard drives. Now, Mark, your your seminar at at CocoFest is going to be on what to, you know, how to handle a will or something to give your... Yeah, computers at home instead of disappearing. Yeah. And this guy actually told his his family he wanted to donate them to a computer museum. So this is a perfect example. Several and I mean, his collection is just wow. Yep, yep. It's exactly instead of all getting scrapped and recycled, it's going to go somewhere. It'll be put on display for people. 
1,200, 1,200, 1,200. Yep. Amigas. Another terminal there. Adds viewpoint, maybe? And it looks like he had a fairly well organized. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some racks. Ooh, Atari, S, uh, Atari TT. Ew, Atari STs. Ooh, he has a 260. Those things are rare. Mega STs over there. Yep. Eight bits. Eight hundred XL. XE. Uh, I think the museum was uh, sold in the first uh, minute and a half. Yeah. Right. Yep. There's a sixty-four. <laughs> well, this this is no longer the video that they sent them to see if they were plus interested, 16? but this is the video they shot themselves when they went to go we'll pick yeah. it all up. Plus four. One twenty-eight. Yep. Oh, that stairs mean there's another floor. Yep. Like, this is a find. Yeah, this is a second floor. So, is there a third floor? No, but there's a section on general electronics that they get into a little bit later, which I want to show you guys because you guys are kind of into this. There's a oh, Tulip again. Room. Yeah, I think Tulip computers were, like, uh, from the Netherlands. Schneider, Sharp, HP86, Sony, and a 1286. There's a 286. Yeah. Those look like MSX machines. TI. And you can see they've already started emptying it out. There's some of the shelves are bare already. Ton of laptops of various vintages and types. <coughs> hey, was that a Tandy uh, PC at the top? Oh, it might have been. Let's try to find those. Mm. Canon bubble jet. Yeah, they got he's got the peripherals too, like there's modems and all kinds of stuff in here. Some box lasagna. I'm pretty sure that has something else in it. And there's getting some of the general electronics. So he's got like you know, VCRs and all kinds of things too. And he was quite into ham radio at one point, so apparently he's got a whole ham radio collection there too. Yeah, that uh, opening yeah. video that was sent to him. That's a whole stack of ham equipment. His intro page, he's sitting in front of a pretty good stack. I'm getting motion sickness from the video, but I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all wow. set up now in the museum uh, in the Netherlands. So if you go to the home computer museum there, uh, go check it out. I, like If I ever get out that way, I'm definitely going to go by to see some of this stuff in real life. Because there's quite a few European machines I've never even heard of, never mind seen before, even in photos only. And, yeah, I've only, uh, I've only heard of tulips. And I do know they have quite a bit of stuff. Like one of the nice things about it that they mentioned when they were showing the dragon and cocoa stuff is that these are hands-on. These aren't just behind glass. You can actually yeah. turn them on and, and fiddle with them. So that'd be pretty cool, too, to see how they actually ran back then. Anyway, that was that was pretty amazing stuff, so. Definitely go if you're awesome. into into general retro collecting, go check out the whole video. Don't you know, you'll be pausing constantly to see what all is hidden on the shelves. I think it's pretty awesome that he taught programming classes in the late seventies. Yeah, machines available. Yeah, like he's he's quite ahead of his time. Like I know when we got our first computer, the kids had to basically self teach because none of the teachers had a clue what to do with it. And then in in early high school, I remember we had to teach the teachers, you know, because some of their exam questions were wrong. So. Next up, 
Coco Cruz released their latest episode. Um, of special note, they've got a discussion on is retro still cool? How long will it be that way? Uh, of course, it is. Silly question. Uh, and Neil did a review of Carl England's uh, Backup Magic, which is an old copy program for doing copy protected discs. And I know we've covered on the show recently, Carl's working on one that works with the SDC, so you can actually do copy uh, protected discs of various different copy protection types to back them up onto an SDC, which actually will allow us to recover some games that, you know, a hacker has done but not a really good job and half the sprites are corrupted and blah, 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 so we can actually get some of the full ones back. So check out that episode for this month. Next up, there's not, it's not on the site yet. I wasn't sure if it was going to be. Um, I don't know if Frank's in the chat or not. But uh, if you remember in the last couple of weeks here, we mentioned that the uh, Darren Atkinson has released the files needed to make the, what is it called, Sloopy, the MC10 SD card thing? MSX32, I think. Is it the M MCX32 SD or something? MCX32, yeah. Yeah. Which is basically oh, a ROM upgrade for extended basic plus 32K of RAM plus an SD card reader. Sorry. And my, uh, my mute was on. <laughs> oh. And, and Darren Axon released the uh, specs for it. And Ed, of course, has just been swamped because he's trying to catch up on so many orders. So he's bouncing back and forth between products to make SDCs and stuff for the MC10, stuff for the Cocos, composite video mods, all kinds of stuff. But since Darren has released <laughs> these publicly, Frank is actually working on it. He's expecting to have them for available in the store. And it'll be the same price as Ed's. He's not trying to gouge him or anything. It's just as a second source and give you know Ed a chance to catch up on other stuff. But they should be on sale in his store, Retro Rewind, as of sometime next week is the current plan. So any of you who have been trying to get the MCX32 SD but have been able unable to get it on the rare times that five copies of it show up and then disappear within 24 hours, uh, you soon will be able to get them off of uh, here as a second source. And Frank's got a lot of manufacturing capacity, you know, a fair bit more than Ed, actually. So he should be able to keep up with the orders a fair bit better. Of course, you can still get the SDC and the 639 CPU and the diagnostic card and cap kits and everything else, too. And he, of course, does repairs, et cetera. So um, once it actually shows up in the store, I'll probably have him on just to quickly talk about it as a kind of a product release. Do you know if he's going to be uh, fixing computers at the Fest? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that is the plan. Okay, awesome. So I had a couple people who uh, emailed me about that. So yeah, now we know. If, if, if they if they if they know roughly what's wrong, let them know so he he can bring the appropriate parts. Okay, I'll I'll forward the emails to him. Yeah. Okay. Next up, uh, Tony Vincent posted this in the Dragon Users Group on Facebook, and this is kind of neat. Like I know we've seen some other ones where people have made flash ROMs or you know larger ROM adapters that have more than one ROM image on it. And they have a dip switch or something to switch, you know, between say a disk basic 1.0 and a disk basic 1.1 or an extended basic and a color basic ROM setting. This is a kind of dialed in for, <laughs> notice how I use that word there, for vintage computers. And it's actually a big honking ROM with a whole bunch of ROM images. But instead of having these dip switches, which means people that are hardware agnostic are not, not very good at hardware, like some people, like user style trying to figure out what dip switches would make the binary pattern to select the number of the ROM you want is actually a bit complicated. And plus, you can screw it up fairly easy when there's multiple switches. This is actually one that uses a little dial uh, that you just put a screwdriver in and you just rotate it. And you select which ROM bank you want to be active just by selecting anywhere from 0 to F. So it gives you 16 ROMs that you can put in into one socket. And it's meant for general, not just Cocoa, but obviously for general 
uh, retro computers. I thought that's a pretty nifty idea because that's a lot easier for people to look at and go, you know, I want color basic 1.3 with extended basic 1.1, you know, okay, that's yeah. nine. Because mm-hmm. click, click, it almost looks like a model 100 in that picture. Could be. I didn't see of. where that particular screenshot came from, but uh, it's a pretty good idea, I think. Uh, yeah. And quicker, honestly, than trying to figure out, okay, I want this and this, so I need uh, that switch has to be up. The next two have to be down. This one has to be up again. You know, right. Well, it's elegant because it's all built into that rotary encoder thing. Yeah. Well, there's been things like that just, for 10 years. It just puts out the bits, but nobody's ever actually put it in a project before. So, you know, it's the bringing it together that's the clever part. Jim Brain uses it on his uh, stuff. I have one of his C64 Nick Pluses for the Commodore that has a selector for a ROM like that. Kind of. Yeah. Sad. And his uh, 2364 adapter. Uh, he sells a uh, rotary switch that you can hit connect to the uh, address lines to select. Okay, so maybe it's just it's been used in some other bigger retro communities. Just hasn't gone down to the Coco and the Dragon yet because I haven't seen this before. But you know, I'm kind of. Oh, it's nice. It's all in one ROM. Coco centric. <laughs> it's it's one ROM socket, the little encoder and the flash. And yeah. There you go. All all in one single PCB is 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 not common, but using a uh, rotary switch for switching is has been has been here and there because i mean if you if you got a a bigger rotary switch or a couple of rotary switches like you know eight f most and least significant nibble or something you could actually put the entire coco's cartridge collection into a large flash and just like you know i want one app that's poltergeist or whatever oh you know two of them yeah or extended ados three or nitrous nine auto boot that. <laughs> the entire known world, Mark, obviously. Yeah, the internal drive wire board uses a um can use a rotary switch. Anyway, it sounds like some of the guys in the uh, dragon community are the hardware manufacturers like Julian Brown, who does dragon plus electronics, are quite interested in doing this and making uh, versions of the Coke and the Dragon, so that would be kind of cool. Oops, somebody got something turned on? Hearing something in the background. Next up, we switch over. Sorry, what? Nothing. (laughs) That was you then. Okay. No, it wasn't Um, me. Oh. Next up in the MC10 group on Facebook, we have from James Host. Now, we're talking about that 20 programs book from the Alice, and uh, Jim Gary ported a couple. I think he actually typed them in. Um, but James Host actually has a copy of the entire book already pre-entered in on a, a cassette set of images. And he's actually made a zip file of all 20 programs, the entire book, basically. All the source codes have already been typed in. And yeah, you can just go download that, that from the MC10 uh, Facebook group and save yourself a heck of a lot of typing and trying to debug things. So I'm sure this will give you know, ample time for Jim to crank out all of the remaining ones for the entire 20 there by next week. Next up in the Dragon group on Facebook. So the first one here is Perry Andrews finally got around to assembling the Dragon PSU power supply unit. Uh, this is actually made by John Whitworth and uh, from Dragon Plus Electronics. And of course, John had been undergoing his cancer treatments and is now back home. Um, so he's actually working on getting some more kits ready because he basically switched everything to kits. So he didn't know if he could commit to manufacturing things start to finish. 
So this is an, an actual nice picture of it actually up and running, and he's basically got it going. Uh, I'll let you hardware people comment on this. Um, I don't know too much about the Dragon's Power Supply Unit versus the Cocoa. I imagine they're quite different. And any comments from the hardware gurus? Besides the fact it's got LEDs. I assume this uh, also needs a transformer. Sure. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem to have enough to be a switch mode, so. Yeah, no, it's linear, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's linear. top 5 volt uh, standby 500 milliamp max, which is standard USB. Yeah, it's probably like a. Uh, yeah, the input must be from a 12 volt regulator PSU. Okay. Positive. Yeah. Big yeah, okay. so, And yeah, I think on the Dragon, okay. their, their power supply is also part of the video circuit. Yeah. yeah, you can see in the lower left there it says two RGB board. And actually above that it has a jumper between Tano and uh UK Dragon too. Pretty so nice, yeah. Hundred and ten and two two twenty volt. So this is one replacement that would actually handle for both. Uh the NTSC version and the PAL version. I bet it doesn't explode like the uh, original. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> I do know the fact that they've made replacements, so they they probably didn't last too long, or had some okay. you know, glitches. Uh, next up, uh, also from the same person, Perry Andrews, he also took a photo of a display at the Science Museum in London, which includes a tier setting model of one, and a Dragon Thirty Two, as well as some Max and some other you know substandard machines. FedEx Eighty One. TI-994A. Yeah, there's a whole, whole bunch of, quite a few recognized TI-99, the Sinclair, the um, Commodore, is that a VIC-20 or C-64? It looks like a VIC-20. Actually, I can zoom it. What am I waiting? Trying to figure this out. <laughs> so that's a Spectrum there, and that's a ZX-81. I don't remember which one. Is that the BBC Micro or Acorn or something? Can't remember. But Dragon 32 prominently displayed in this little history of shows up personal well. computers. And then, of course, there's the Model 1. Yep. Expansion interface and all. That was kind of cool. So if you're ever in London, England, and you want to check out some old computers at the museum, go for it. Next up, Matt K has posted that he is making now he's made some replacement like he's I think he's made one who made the posters and he's made some replacement repo boxes and stuff for cassettes but now he's working on removable blister pack ones with a card back that you can put your favorite cassettes in and display them with the full color artwork and actually hang them on the little hooks if you want to like you know put on a display using the hooks type thing like they would have done back in the old days and of course these look really really good and they're based on the original artwork so you see Cashman that's actually artwork from uh uh Mictron themselves in the states and then backtrack and eddie steady go are both you know dragon specific ones and backtrack for those of you who don't know is that really cool top view of a maze but with 3d perspective and you have to wander through in a time limit and try to you know escape and not get eaten by snakes and stuff it's it's actually quite an impressive looking game uh eddie steady go was a sequel which honestly isn't quite as good but these these look really nice. And um, I know a lot of people are getting into the making displays now, like we saw Terry Steggy's background there where he's got everything nicely put on shelves, which is the complete opposite of the swamp mess I've got here. Um, and, and Rick, I think you're more along my lines too, where you just put stuff where you have room. <laughs> but 
if you if you want professionally one uh looking displays for some of the old cassettes and uh say some of your old original cassette stuff is actually a bit damaged or whatever or you want it to just be able to put on the hangers this is actually a pretty good idea and he's got scans and, and high quality ones of the original artwork with a lot of these games too so and some you know non-game software as well so that's a pretty good idea i could see some of the computer museums actually uh using this kind of stuff instead of just taking the shelves Next up after that, we have a YouTube channel in French, um, from France, not from Quebec. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this. Something jour. Okay, I did try to pronounce it. It still sucked. Um, but basically, it roughly translates to Geek One Day, Geek Always, is basically what the name of the channel is in English. And he actually does a brief introduction to a Dragon 32 he just received. Um, I have the Closed captioning turn on so you can kind of see a rough translation. I'll just show a little Les tiny amis, bit in the beginning. On se retrouve pour une nouvelle vidéo. Vidéo aujourd'hui euh, micro-informatique vintage. Alors aujourd'hui, je vais vous présenter. And as usual, the uh, YouTube translate isn't perfect. You'll see some odd translations. Qui était fabriqué en oh, Angleterre. That's pretty good. Du Dragon 32. Ça fait un nom d'enfer, hein, le Dragon 32. Now, was the Dragon 32 sold in France? I don't think it was. I know it was sold in Spain, obviously, because Eurohard had it. But I don't know if Dragon was selling to mainland Europe all that much. Karen or somebody in the chat might be able to correct me on that. This one, I know when he turns it over, it's actually manufactured in Wales, so... No, he just has a basic rundown. He kind of shows the computer itself. He goes around, you know, shows the ports and the side, etc. So, but it's, it's nice to see. You know, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of attention in, in non-English speaking. We've covered some other channels recently that have Spanish or Portuguese or whatever. So it's cool seeing both Dragons and Coco's getting mentioned because we're kind of been the underdog computers most of the time. Everybody in every country knows what a C64 and Apple II is. Not as many know about you know Coco's and even less know about Dragons. So it's really cool to see some of these. Uh, other countries, you know, discovering this stuff for the first time. <laughs> Tim Gilbert's sorry, Wales is not England. <laughs> <laughs> I made the same mistake. I understand him. <laughs> Next up, now, Kieran, uh, we got a new person that came into the chat or into Discord, I should say, recently. Uh, that goes by the name of Gorg Atari. I have no idea if pronouncing that right. Um, but basically, he's a demo scene coder. Uh, started mainly with the Atari 8-bit machines, and now he's done a few other things like Game Boys and a few others, and he's got a whole YouTube channel full of this. But apparently, this was meant to be part of a demo scene gathering in 2020 that was supposed to take place, I believe, in Belgium. I think I wrote that down. No, Slovakia, sorry. It was going to be called Forever. And it was a demo party style thing. But because it was in early 2020, it got canceled due to COVID. So we never got submitted. And basically what this is, and this is a screenshot you can see on the screen here, is a 3D perspective similar to Gloom or Gatecrasher, but on a Dragon 32, not even a 64, just a 32, um, where it's basically walking through this set. And it's you know, basically done in fairly square, probably to keep the speed up. But that little weird thing you see in the middle that's kind of purple with two white things, that's kind of your eyeball perspective. And you'll see it shift to the left and right to change the point of view of where you're looking at while you're walking through this three thing. Uh, the code in this is actually less than a K long. That was part of the uh, the demo competition. He was going to enter this in that had to be one K of code or less. 
And he actually made a bit of a video of it here. So I will show it to you now. Now there's some clicking in the background. I don't know if that's the emulator doing that or if that was part of the demo. I know I've had some weird sound issues with XWR on a Mac. Um, it just, if it could be, go off the uh, focus of that window and on something else, you start getting weird popping and all kinds of weird stuff happening. But uh, I will play this. So uh, we'll mute the sound mostly because I don't think it's part of the demo, but might be. But you can actually watch the the walking through in kind of 3D space and then watching this little eyeball centering thing move across, you can see how the perspective changes. No, he's not doing like an actual 3D wall all the way through. He's doing like panels coming towards you, but it is doing the perspective properly. But not bad for a little 1K demo. Can he move sideways? He seems to only be moving Yeah, right forward. now he's just uh, moving straight forward and he's basically changing the perspective, like where your viewpoint start is, where your eyeball is. Yeah. Um, and it, it was meant he to can't. just be a demo to fit in 1K. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming the tables and stuff would be yeah. longer than that. Yeah. Know, to keep the speed up. So, but you know, running on 0.895 megahertz, like I know Nick, you've obviously done Sock Masters, always done Remy's, obviously done these 3D uh, perspective demos, but I don't think anybody's attempted it on a Cocoa 1 2 Dragon level machine before. It's all been Cocoa 3. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, so it was impressive just seeing it actually running on, you know, the oldest hardware from 1980, 1982. And that's all I have for the news this week. So I'm right. curious to see what he's, he's he's planning on doing some further uh, programming. He's mentioning in the uh, Discord that it probably will not be a game because he's more of a demo coder. But if he does a demo kind of like that or takes that demo further, I wouldn't mind seeing some of the stuff he'd be able to cram up. You're muted, Sippy. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, it looks like a good start for a 3D uh, for a th 3D uh, system sound. Um, Newsflash, uh, breaking news. There's been a change in the uh, listing for the Game On Challenge. Um, let me uh, bring this up real quick. New uh, please, Zoom, please don't crash. Thank you. Oh, somebody now. Oh, wow, there's a whole bunch of new scores in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the... I found out that the problem was how I was uh, copying from one to the other and messed it up because last week I went through and spent two hours making this new template. And then today I couldn't find it. <laughs> so I was like rushing to get it done and I kept screwing up. But yes, the actual top uh, score this week was by Mike Miller, which was one. 1,126,576 and Tasman is second with 1,076,480. And we have a Curtis in there with 216 at 460 at eighth place. And Kieran at fourth place with 402,270. I apologize. I've been uh, given 50 uh, floggings with a wet noodle for my uh, mistake and my pay has been docked 50%. So... <laughs> I am I am truly sorry. <laughs> I, I actually it also helps too because you've actually got you know like from going from 12 players with actually 11 listed to 15 so actually it was a, a bit more successful too which is good to know. 
but yeah, thanks. Thanks for actually doing all that fixing actually while we're on the show. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah I just I'll got a message waiting from on payroll. This division by zero error. Okay, Jason first, then Nick, because <laughs> I didn't hear I just, either. Of you. I just got a message from payroll that uh, that there was a division by zero error. <laughs> yes, there was the whole system. Yeah. yeah, Nick, what was your comment? Oh, I was just saying. Now we're just waiting on Karen to finish uh, patching um, Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Nah, I think those people <laughs> should just get themselves a cocoa. Uh, Tom Eric Anderson, uh, of course, is from Europe as well. Uh, he says yes, there was a CCAM version of the Dragon sold in France, mm. and there was a CCAM version of the MC10 too. <coughs> or was that? Uh, pretty sure that's what we saw. And yeah. I assume the cocoa probably maybe as well. Or was it Coco Sold Prince? I think it was. Yeah. Also, um, Retro Innovations is working on uh, on releasing a MCX32 uh, SD also. Okay, so we're going to have multiple sources so that Ed can actually concentrate on the stuff yeah. that's uniquely Ed. Yeah, I don't know the current uh, status. I just know that it's, it's start already in the works and uh, some parts have been ordered, so... Uh, yeah. The best I can say is that by by Cocoa Fest, there there should be uh, some in stock. Okay, I know Frank said that he's already got parts in, and he well, he actually had most of them in already, uh, and that his is supposed to be having the first ones available in the store by the end of next week. Yeah, because so. the biggest the biggest problem is is that several of the parts are are end of life, and the usual sources have a set amount, and once those are once those are depleted, there'll be no more. So it's going to be a similar problem to the Coco SDC where you have to substitute parts or find uh, old stock in other places. Yeah. Well, the fact that Darren's released the files for this one, and I think he actually, this is the one time he's actually said you can modify them to adapt to, you know, either add features or work with different hardware. So that might be <coughs> the one where we can actually, you know, get it, using parts that are available again to make it a, a lot easier. Like I'm still worried about the SDC. Yeah. I mean, well, Frank's figured out a workaround kind of, but yeah, well, that's why it's, it's taking retro innovations a little bit longer because we want, we want to have a system that's, that's not, Oh, we can make them until we have the parts. We want to make, we want to, he, he wants future perfect, make, make it so that it's a sustainable product. Yeah. So cool. So anybody's got an MC10 has been looking for one of those and, and trying to catch Ed on the you know the rare 25 period of a month that he actually has some in stock. Um uh, it sounds like there's gonna be two two sets that'll be able or two different companies are gonna be kind of helping pick up the ball there. And hopefully that'll give Ed a chance to you know work on the gimme X and a whole bunch of other things too. So yeah. Well, that's all I had. So uh, I don't know if there's anything else. We're ready to project updates and acquisitions. So I think we might be at the end of the show unless somebody has uh, something else they want to add in before we go well, off hit, the air. We've hit three hours, so that's probably about a good enough time. So let's see. Where Push the button, this? Frank. Uh, okay, here's this one. This concludes another episode of The Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things The Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation Show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song, copyright 2022, D. Bruce Moore. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation is over. Join us on the Coco Discord server. Coco forever. Just a solder. No, don't waste your time. We can't get that kind of clearance from the fire marshal. We already. Yeah, I mean, the... they did. They tried to have me operate an elevator last time, and look what happened. We we could do it outside. I mean, we already have enough visits from the fire department. Yeah. Well, okay. we'll, we'll just shave you first. <laughs> Push the button, Frank. Join us. Join us. <laughs> bye bye. See you next, next week. week. All right. Bye, y'all. Later.